Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What Are You Doing Movie. Our movie this week is The Cowboys. Go ahead and pop in your DVD or Blu-ray, press play, press pause when the Cowboys title card fades to black. There's like versions with overtures and versions without, and there's different edits of it. When the title card fades to black, press pause, and in a second I'll say 3, 2, 1, unpause, at which point I'll press play. You'll press play, and we'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary, except of course with four friends in your head. Those friends, the speaker, myself, as always, Teague Christie, my friend Brian William Fenifter. Greetings. Michael Dorkman Scott. Hello. And Trey Amazing Stokes. Howdy. Hey Trey, have you, have you seen The Cowboys yet? A couple times. Have you seen The Cowboys, man? A few times. You gotta see the cow- so we're skipping the overture if, if they we have are, that. Yeah, because yeah, okay. we don't know exactly which version everyone has. Gotcha. We Super assume they all have the, the title card. Yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, the edit, the most versions do not have the overture. So. Oh, I saw the overture. Yeah. Which so, version did you watch? iTunes does The one on the Blu-ray. The one okay. On oh, yeah. The overture yeah. is just music over black, right? Yeah. yeah. Nothing. Just, yeah. Like in, just like just 2001, 2001 or anything else. Or yeah. any other movie of the uh, time. Yeah, Ben-Hur, right? And also as an intermission, right? Yes. Anyway, back in the day, things were all nice and beautiful and John Wayne held court over the Hollywood landscape. I have never seen a John Wayne movie. This is the first time I've ever seen John Wayne if act. If nothing else, now you have. I have, and I totally get it. Yeah. Like, I had grown up without seeing John Wayne, and also, like, without seeing, like, I never said a Schwarzenegger movie or a Stallone movie. Like, they just, you watch the movies your parents show you. My parents never showed me any of those movies when I was growing up because they didn't care about them, so I didn't see them until way later. And upon first seeing, like, Schwarzenegger, I was like, I, I don't get it. I don't get why him. When I saw Stallone, I was like, that I get. This one, this one's cool. I like this guy. John Wayne, I clearly get. He is really cool and really easy to watch and it's weird because he's really understated I, I figured he would be the caricature of him that every stand-up comic well, does we'll get into it as we go but this is not quite a quintessential John Wayne movie and that's why I recommend it to modern eyes more than maybe some more classic ones like Ford Apache or something like that but we'll get into that anyway but, uh, there's no yeah he was no one has ever John Wayne like John Wayne there's he's there's he's he's that and no one else has ever been that Wayne hard yeah. Anyway, but this is a curated movie. This is another curated movie. This one's Trey's. It is. And our, our habit is to let the person who curated it kind of go first. So, <laughs> Trey, why have you been asking us to watch The Cowboys for five years? I've been threatening this one since day one. Like, hey, can we do something like other than whatever Spider-Man movie they made this week? Can we do something that's like maybe a little more obscure and worth watching? Um, so this one's been talked no, about. No, because Brian wants to watch Spider-Man too. Yeah, he just can't, uh. he can't get enough. Um, so this one's been talked about forever. I'm glad we're finally, for whatever, if whether you guys like it or hate it, we just get this one out of the way so I can. Stop can, saying it. Exactly. People and, the, and everyone in the forum can go, okay, they finally did that one. And there are a number of people who are on my, uh, on my side on the forums who are like, yeah, the Cowboys is awesome. So, you know, this is, this is for you guys. Um, I was talking the other day to Brian and I, I, I found the, here's the analogy that will work. Um, it, if if you personally don't uh, you know get a get a kick out of the Cowboys, the reason that it resonates for me is stylistically and for the time period, uh, Cowboys is my Goonies. That's how uh, that works out. Uh, the movie came out in seventy two. Didn't see it in the theater, but then it started to be on TV. You know, movie of the week like a year or two later, and then and then would be in syndication. And it was on a lot. It was on fairly regularly. You could find it on TV. So. It's for whatever reason, I, you know, I, I would see it in bits and pieces. I think it was like years before I saw the actual beginning of the Cowboys, how it actually starts, but I would pick it up somewhere in the middle. Um, That's how I saw Shawshank for like 10 years. Yeah, there you go. And, and it's just, you know, so I am the age of the, of the boys. I'm, you know, from the age of 12 to, you know, 18 17, 18, that's when I was, that was peak cowboy for me in terms of like, it's always on TV and I would always catch it. So this is, you know, it's the Goonies in terms of like, yeah, when you're, when you're 15, you're like, yeah, I would totally 
love to pick up a shotgun and blow Bruce Dern apart. That would be, that's exactly what, you know, that's so awesome. So, so when they, you know, when they have that, that, that turnaround, I just, you know, yeah, let's do this. Woo. So it's a total wish fulfillment fantasy in the days before, you know, we didn't have star Wars to be our wish fulfillment fantasy. We didn't want to be Jedi because we didn't have those yet. So you wanted to be a cowboy. So I wanted to be a lawless cowboy who, you know, could kill Bruce Dern and also knew there were hookers just over the other hill. So, you know, win, win. You got to have that in your back pocket. So anyway, it's, it's, as far as curating it here, it's like it's not just because it's a film that that uh, has a lot of uh, history with me. I think as a western, it's not a conventional western. It's a seventies sort of you know young people taking over the asylum, and it's a western that isn't quite like classic westerns used to be. But it has John Wayne at the center of it. Has some pretty hardcore ideas and moments going on in it that uh, is is kind of shocking. And uh, and I I think that. Uh, you give it, you know, a slight a slight pass for being, you know, over thirty years old as a movie or forty years old now, uh, but I think it holds up fairly well. But yeah. you tell me. No, I didn't have to give it uh, a pass at all. Uh, yeah. I was surpri- I was surprised how much I dug it, to be honest. Yeah. Because uh, I, I westerns aren't usually my thing, uh, and I've had sort of a mixed reaction with old movies because sometimes I get bored and sometimes I don't. It just kind of depends on the movie. It's weird, actually. The ones I've had the most luck with have been westerns, though. Like. Butch and Sundance and sh- hmm. go figure. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. In any case, I, I hadn't ever seen John Wayne before. I hadn't seen the Cowboys. Didn't really know what it was going to be about. And uh, I just dug the hell out of it. I was really surprised uh, how much I was liking it. And then I was really surprised where it goes. Yeah, which- it's, there are things that happen. in this again, they don't make movies like this um, anymore. Some of the choices that they make for sure. It's you know, it's been said a thousand times on this show, but don't watch this show if or yeah. listen to this show if you've never seen the movie because we do spoilers so spoilers yeah. so yeah please for 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 fuck's sake watch the cowboys if you haven't seen the cowboys you should watch it even even <laughs> even the young idiot on the podcast is like you should watch it so spoilers <laughs> wow, score so spoilers holy shit yeah for a second i thought they were going to kill the, the black dude <laughs> every character you think is going to die doesn't right. the <laughs> most shocking ones are the ones they pick off exactly just Whedon watched this just Whedon and i must have clearly both watched this on television a lot it's weird that you said that cuz what kept coming back to me is that what john wayne uh, john wayne reminds me more than anything else of basically just malcolm reynolds without insecurity or at least not so much insecurity or, yeah 50 years later he turns into malcolm reynolds but, uh, yeah dude, malcolm I, reynolds turns into him i really like the cowboys i love hearing me some old school john williams going as spaghetti as he possibly can yeah how about that and uh Bruce Dern yeah ladies and gentlemen like I have seen him before but never as a young man uh and that Bruce Dern knows what he's doing (laughs) until two weeks ago that's what everyone thought Bruce Dern was yeah until Nebraska (laughs) Nebraska. Nebraska. yeah yeah but I love the Cowboys and uh I am psych Brian had you seen this before I had not and like you I I, and I was trying to figure this out and I can't say with 100% certainty but I don't think I had ever seen a John Wayne movie all the way through until uh, yesterday when I watched the Cowboys for the first time uh, and it's it's so weird to me because it's even having if even having not seen a John Wayne movie just on its own you know as its own thing it's I didn't grow up with John Wayne movies but I grew up on things that people made and those people grew up on John Wayne movies mm. like The Simpsons and uh, and you know Pulp Fiction and all those sorts of things like yeah. those aren't the things themselves but they right. those people grew up on John Wayne movies so it's like even you know The Simpsons as John Wayne all over the place and he also has the Beatles and you know Frank Sinatra and it's like my first uh, introduction to so many things was through the lens of the Simpsons. It's like, like how you know the Weird Al version of songs first sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a real song. Oh. Yeah. Um, I, I like this one a lot. I At one point when I was when I was younger, I consciously made, I, was, I had this conscious like, I should be into Westerns. 
I'm going to try <laughs> to get myself into westerns. So I got a whole bunch of Clint Eastwood films. You know, I got all the classic Clint Eastwood films and, and try, but I never really tried with John Wayne. Uh, and honestly, it didn't really click with me. Maybe there's something about Clint Eastwood aspect of westerns that didn't click. Well, spaghetti westerns are different than classic yeah, John Wayne yeah, yeah. westerns. And he and he has he, you know and when he came back to America and started making his own movies like Josie Wales and so on. He, there's, yeah. there's something a little and some of those are good. I like Josie Wales. I like some of his his uh, one of those that, that that period of his westerns I like a lot. And of course I like Unforgiven quite a bit. Um, Unforgiven too. What's it with all these westerns that I like the old movies? So <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so yeah. Uh, and I, I was always trying to figure out why I couldn't get into westerns. Uh, and maybe it was an aspect of like well the Clint Eastwood ones maybe were like deconstructing a western trope. But I hadn't grown up with the actual tropes themselves, right. so I don't know. Uh, but I really liked the Cowboys because it was this. Uh, it seemed to start with the, the very like straightforward kind of tropes, especially with John Wayne himself. Uh, and then it's not a full deconstruction. It's not a, like we're going to take. Every, it's not like Unforgiven, where we're going to take every aspect of the Western trope and just yeah. mercilessly take it apart. It's on that uh, road, but it it's on that it. road, but yeah. it's not. Yeah, it's not. Um, existing solely for that purpose it kind of leads that way on its naturally i guess walking a line between the two i guess is the way to say it Dorkman, had you seen this movie not this movie no i have actually <laughs> I, is, oh, i've seen a movie but yeah have you seen no, I, I saw oh. boon raku uh i saw yeah. liar liar kranatsky <laughs> i've but I, had you seen a uh, john wayne movie before? i had i had previously okay. seen a john wayne movie um traded to your generation uh well, and i dug right. it i saw i saw the appeal um I I thought it was very um, I thought it was really interesting to see and and this plays out in the Cowboys as well um, you know around the time around that time that was when you know leading men and leading ladies it was all about their image and and uh, you know John Wayne's image was as the the you know the man's man and and all that stuff and and my my impression of the time and you know reading reading about it is pe- people were very protective of their image and they would be like okay my character can't do this this or this because that's gonna you know damage my image definitely um i remember whatever the movie was that i saw with john wayne there's he gets a um he gets a bullet in his back he gets shot in the back and it gets lodged by his spine so he occasionally gets like tweaked tweaked out over it and that becomes kind of a thing uh throughout the movie and there's a bit where uh, he's riding along and that happens to him and he just falls off his horse. Wow. And, which is a totally... Like spazzes over. Yeah, which is, which is a hugely like That's, emasculated yeah. Yeah, thing. Embarrassing. Yeah. You could never be a Dothraki horse lord. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and, the, the, um, and then to, to add insult to injury... His uh, like his rival in the movie like rides up on him right then and catches him like picking himself up and he's like, "Hey, did you fall off your horse?" And John Wayne just goes, "Yeah." And I was like, "That's <laughs> yeah. badass!" Yeah. <laughs> like that's the greatest answer possible. Um, and so I was like, "I get it. I get how great because he's he's totally just like, a, yeah. he 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 didn't put up like fronts or anything. He was just like, this here's what happened, and it's yeah. kind of bullshit, but that's the the way it is. So so I dug." that aspect of him i'm like i can see the appeal here and i i like that um you know he's a he's a real his character is like a real person as opposed to like this this yeah um you know superhero yeah um and so coming into the cowboys there's there's certainly a lot of that i mean i mean he's older in the cowboys and there's that whole aspect of being run down but you know again spoilers the fact that he gets killed and the fact that he gets killed being shot in the back yeah. You know, repeatedly. It's like, yeah, yeah, you can you can imagine another another uh, you know star like John Wayne being like from, Look, that, from those. I'm not age. going out like a bitch. Yeah, going. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to allow that to happen to my character. And the yeah. fact that he he goes, nope, 
for the you know for the story yeah. totally get it what Let's takes the, over what takes the what takes the the sting out of it is he does beat the snot out of Bruce Dern first right. and Bruce <laughs> right. Dern cowardly then guns him down right. so clearly Bruce Dern is the bad is is at fault here yeah, yeah. um so anyway it's actually making yeah. like John Wayne more heroic yeah, right. It's like right. I, you know, he but could he have gets, shot Bruce but Dern, he, but, but, he, he, but he gets yeah. that it makes but him more he, Yeah, he yeah. he gets that as opposed yeah. to just being like, no, no, I've got to I've got to look good. Yeah, no, you know, I can't no matter what happens. Well, here, but here's the thing that makes I just uh, just we'll jump into it real briefly. This is a first. Mm-hmm. This is this movie is notable because John Wayne was never killed on screen by anyone oh. ever. Really? In his entire he so died that, a couple of times in a couple of movies, but never face to face with someone who he was killed by a Japanese sniper in a war movie. Just randomly like, oh, they got me. Uh, he drowned in a in a movie where he was a deep sea diver. You know, he died a couple times, but rarely and never like by a person never like yeah. in the western way <laughs> yeah so this was a big this is a thing so yeah this, this would have been shocking at yeah the time. this is a big okay. thing and bruce dern didn't get work for 20 years because <laughs> yeah. it was like you're that guy who killed john wade you're a crazy mofo yeah ted levine had the same problem yeah i mean he kept working but it was a long time before people had shaken off that whole buffalo bill thing i see why it was tough i i do see why it was tough for people um to take in the same year you know bruce dern and silent running yeah um yeah Tr- trumbull talks about he's like everyone thought he was like this maniac psycho and his yeah. character is not supposed to be yeah. That, but they just see Bruce turn that way, and they see him. The guy's the guy from the Cowboys, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you know he's got the same haircut and everything. So it's like yeah. So Bruce Dern, I because of this movie and Silent Running, I've always been a huge Bruce Dern fan, and he's mm-hmm. almost been completely invisible for forty years, yeah. and finally pops up again in uh, Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah, it was like That's well, a- <clears throat> still in there swinging. Other than giving Bruce, you know, birth to Laura, you know, yeah, good for that one. <laughs> It was, it was always a thing of like, wait, oh, wait, Laura- wait, wait, wait. we should really start the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're at the point where the Cowboys title card has finally faded out like we are here. Put your finger on the button. Three, two, one, unpause. Oh, so, I yeah. should, I uh, should Laura say Dern that- is, uh, is oh, Bruce Dern's son. Yeah. Oh, who the, the hell is Bruce Dern? Yeah. I, that, was, that never made sense to me until... Bruce Dern and uh, uh, not Blythe Danner. That's, uh, that's um, the other one. But uh, Bruce Dern and also a, another uh, well-known actress whose name I just, I'm blanking on right now. But uh, yeah, so I, I did like the, the movie since, I mean, you're right to have started it anyway, because um, <laughs> you know, it, it takes a little while um, to, to even get going. But music is good, uh, obviously. I was really <laughs> surprised yeah, where, when the, yeah. like, I, it's all sounding great and cool and huge and classically Western. And then there's this weird sort of like harpsichord piano overlay in the orchestra. I was like, whoa. Yeah, when they do, it does the water music section. Yeah, where exactly. They play, they do the, also the, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> if, <laughs> we, I don't think we've said, that we said it, but music by John Williams, 1972. Yeah. So this is three years before Jaws, five years before Star Wars. Um, he was just starting. This the, is right after Sugarland, right? Uh, Sugarland would have been later too. That Sugar was later. Was yeah. Like this is Baby season. Williams. Yeah. yeah. This is he. He was coming out of TV. He'd done a few. He'd done some. Isn't but, he still uh, called Johnny Williams? Not in this I one. He, okay. But he was Johnny Williams. Like when he did uh, <laughs> yeah. Lost in Space, he was Johnny, Jack Williams. Johnny Williams. He was John, he, Yeah. He was. Johnny and actually, Williams. I don't know, Teague, if you, if you, but it's so funny to me. There's a scene about a third of the way through one of the one of the montages of Let's Learn to Rope Cattle. Where I swear to God, it's the same track from Let's Chase Barrels in Jaws. It's mm. exactly the same orchestration. Yeah, with Glockenspiel in it. And it's like, this is, wait a minute. You just recycled that one. Yeah, later. I picked up on that too. It happens. It happens. It's okay. Sometimes it happens. Like, nobody yeah. saw that one. There's a fun yeah. fact about uh, John nobody Williams. Nobody watching this one saw that one. No, <laughs> no. That's, uh, there's a fun fact about John Williams from maybe not exactly this point in history, but a little bit before it. Um, I've heard stories that. You would imagine, just based on having seen John Williams in EPKs and interviews and shit like that and walking up to get one of his 45 Oscars at some point, like, oh, a really sweet, polite, dapper old man, just very, very, like, featherweighty personality, just very nice and walking through the room, very, you know, hi, hello. And he's like, 
Someone someone was saying like they had known him at the time. It's like, no, dude, he was like a jazz cat. Like he'd be like, hey, hey, <laughs> hey baby, how you doing? It's like wearing like a little hat that's like kind of kiltered off to one side and shit. Black turtlenecks, black turtlenecks, you guys. That's where they come from. Because back in the day, he was he all like, wear some. That's true. <laughs> it's like, hey, baby, he made doing? Steve Jobs. Well, that's like uh, it's it's topical right now because the the Ebert the Ebert documentary is coming out, and I really recommend you you see the Ebert documentary. One of the fun facts in the Ebert documentary is that Gene Siskel was like Mr. Playboy dude. He was he literally I heard that literally hanging out the Playboy Mansion. But he was you know it's like Ebert was the movie guy, Siskel was the rock star. Let's do drugs and sleep with all the women guy, which is like go Gene. Well, I mean, of the two of them, who knew? It's it's not like one. It's not like Roger seems more that type, and it's weird that it's the opposite. It's like neither of those guys seem like that guy. Yeah. Yeah, Well, neither of those guys seem like that guy. But out of the two, if you had to pick. You would say it was Roger. Yeah. Because yeah. he, he wrote, he wrote Beyond the, the Valley of the Dolls, for heaven's sake. He must know all about that. Anyway, back to this movie. Um, uh, yeah, the fact that it opens with uh, some really heartwarming breaking of an animal spirit. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's one of the things. I like the handheld in this yeah, scene. One of the I, things that's kind of fascinating about this movie in general is, you know, of course, this is 72. Everything on screen happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, so when you get to see, it scenes, it's just like, blow my mind to this day. Like, you know, okay, so in this scene... Uh, we've got a western town full of people in western costumes, and we're going to drive an entire herd of cattle through it, and we're going to have our entire cast of kids on horses amongst all that. Ready, go. Um, there's these scenes that are just, you look at the, what, the epicness of just the shot that they're getting. It's just like insane. And uh, like, for example, this set is like, where the hell are they? They're in the middle <laughs> of, like, are they in the center of the continental United States right now? Where is this? <laughs> I think they established that it is in, um, well, they passed the Battle of the Little Bighorn site, so that's, and that would be, that's why. Maine. Oh, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, uh, you know sorry, but. Puerto is, Rico? Yeah. No, I swear to God, though, I know my own history. Te- Texas. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Wyoming or wherever the hell that is. Montana, I guess it is. So, uh, so yeah, so this is, you know, wherever the hell they shot this, but uh, <laughs> talk about some wide open spaces. It sounds really dumb and, and kind of like somehow really rude. To make an observation like, what a great premise in that like <laughs> sort of surprised tone of voice because it's like, yeah, what'd you expect? It's like I'm That's calling it. It's movies. like it's like yeah. I'm calling the movie articulate or something. It's like, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is that supposed to mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah where'd you but get it's like that? a really clean movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But what a great premise where it's okay, everyone's going to fuck off because gold rush is happening. This dude just has to do his goddamn cattle run, but he can't do it by himself. What else can he do but become like this parental figure to these kids and they all understand each other and it's fatherless kids and sonless fathers and it's it's like what a perfect setup. I love this dynamic. And what's great about it is that it is a way to it's a way to tell that story that you can only tell in this situation. Like this has to be a western because it ha- you have to yeah. have the setup of the gold rush and and all that stuff taking yeah. them away and he has to them literally in have no situation. other options. It's like, well, you know, you could just have a truck come out and take the cattle. <laughs> you know, yeah, you can't, you can't. It has to be period. He has to have you know. You just, actually, you could just call the people you're selling yeah. them to and have them come. Yes, you could. He has to literally be this isolated and this out of options. Actually, it. it's funny you mentioned that, Mike, because. What you just said was you, it has to be a Western for this sort of thing because you need that in the setting for this to even start happening at all. Yeah, that's and why it, that's why you used to make genre movies because it's like this this genre is necessary. All of the pieces in it right. to tell yeah. to be able to tell this story. Because I was thinking watching this last night that Westerns kind of died a slow death and they're still like on life support, but you rarely see a Western. Whereas they used to be like most of the movies. They were the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it occurred to me that. Very American movie. I think the Western as a as a genre has been replaced by the Wasteland Apocalypse movie. 
And I think probably for the exact same reason, which is because aside from you need horses, or in this case, you need a camera and an open space and probably a burnt out car, you can pretty cheaply just make one of those movies. Sure. It's it's not the most expensive movie you can make, and it's just an on, on the road style setting and character development sort of movie. We stopped doing Westerns. We started doing Apocalypse shit. And it's weird that you said the thing about it has to be a Western because it's like, actually, the only other way you could pull off this story is in a post-apocalyptic <laughs> right. thing. Oh, but like, enough about the script I'm writing right now. <laughs> uh, but uh, well, it, yeah, I mean, is, isn't it really just a matter of like, we have to take away enough of the conveniences of technology that would make this yeah. story yeah. really, whatever the problem of the story is really easy to solve. Well, we it, need some conceit to take those away. A, a guy I, was, I worked with a couple years ago, he actually said, and I don't know if it was his own idea or whatever but he, he, he crystallized something uh, in a way that I, no one ever had you know film school never did um, that he said the western is about landscape and I thought that was a really insightful thing interesting is that that you know western is like you know it's not the trappings it's not spurs and horses necessarily because I pitched him a story which was in no way a western per se and he goes oh that's a western and I was like how's that and it's like he, he said a western the idea of a western what the the, the, the thematic you know thing of a western is it's, it's always about little people and a giant landscape having mm. to make their way in this you know mm. giant landscape and and deal with you know the natural world and you know and taming the natural world or surviving the natural world and and it's, you know westerns and if you think of it you haven't seen them but the classic sort of western image is you know the giant expanse of sky with the right. little guy yep. on a horseback on silhouette. huge ass rocks and yeah, mountains just and just a little bit and so or the I, guy you know in the the silhouette in the doorway and just exactly the just the outside. whole world yeah. to the horizon line out the back and you know a little you know a little cabin in the middle of absolutely nowhere uh, and so i i think it, it could be and you know god knows i'm sure dissertations many have been written on this and i'm just spitballing it here but but you know, and through the 60s and 50s and 60s, America was still in that we must conquer the frontier. You know, we were still expanding until the 50s. America didn't become 50 states until, you know, after I was born. So, you know, we were still all about gain territory and conquer it and plant the flag and make it America. Settlements and, and pioneering you know, and, 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 yeah. and all that. So that was still very much in the nationalism yeah. character to, to be this, so this kind of story of you know, brave men and women taming the wilderness, you know, was was a very American kind of a thing. And then we kind of stopped that. Um, and then we had immediately had Vietnam, where it's all about, yeah, conquering shit doesn't actually necessarily work out that good sometimes. Yeah. And uh, sometimes, you know, and, and you know, and we then we lost one. You know, we, we lost a war right after that. Like, sometimes wow. the people who are already there kind of back. can fight back. They can win <laughs> sometimes. And that, we weren't prepared for that. And that sometimes was, they kind of have a point yeah. about things. We've been Ugh. so good at massacring indigenous people until now. And now we suddenly we we're, we we're not that good at it. Uh, so so that that it's an interesting insight because it was it reminds me of something that I was thinking of, which is more than once, like kind of repeatedly in this movie, the score when it gets big and John Williamsy is scoring establishing shots, yeah. not action scenes. Yeah. Like, most of the action scenes take place under no score, just mix minus, and then the big moments of are just like, look at this brand new pan shot of a giant well, place. It's because it's got to give you something to do while you're looking at the... Well, no, it's just... And, he was saying, like, the, like, the way the genre works is it's basically yeah. focusing on landscapes. And it's like, the way the fucking score works is focusing yeah. on landscapes. Yeah. Uh, what's, what's the... Um, uh, uh, method of or the the kind of the uh, uh, overview of telling stories is like there's the three possible stories you can tell: man versus man, man versus nature, and man. Oh, that was that, that was my man idea. versus self. Was man versus self. Idea. What's the uh, no? There's a term for it, but I don't remember. But it seems you know it's going along. What you're saying is is exactly that, right? It's one of yeah. those three 
you know, primal storytelling modes is actually man versus the world. All three of them fit well in the Western. Well, ideally, 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 you want any story to be Western tends to be man versus nature in its way. I I love this detail, by the way, of the fact that, you know, it's like you say, it's the frontier and it's like they don't really, they don't really have a plan. So they've, they're just reading catalog description of very common. It was, no, it's real. This is, yeah, it's very true. It's everyone had, you know, you didn't get school books, but everyone had the Montgomery Ward catalog. You need a thing that you have multiple copies of it so everyone can look at the same thing. Like phone books and catalogs. Yeah. yeah, the Montgomery Ward catalog was, I mean, that's a whole aspect of history that's fascinating is, you know, that was your only lifeline to civilization was the Montgomery Ward catalog. It's like, uh, we, need a th- we need a butter churn. We can't buy it here. There's only three houses here. <laughs> you know, there's only three businesses here in town. <laughs> we'll order it, you know, and it'll come out six weeks from now. We'll get the butter churn. They'll have it shipped to the depot over in Norfolk. Exactly. And then the guy in a buggy will bring it out here and. You know, and that'll happen. Okay, so. that lady, it seems really cool, but she cannot handle her shit around frogs. She cannot handle this. It's Maybe it's a thing with her. I will give this movie credit for a 72 movie. That is about the only time, and, and of course, there are only about four, three female-speaking parts of the movie, but that was the only one where it's like, okay, that was like so little too, oh, she's a girl. You know, it's like, okay, she freaks out just a little too hard mm-hmm. for modern sensibility. Yeah, but for, m- most know, of it, the time, the movie's like kind of backhanding those tropes and being yeah, like, Yeah, but uh-huh. as compared to his wife, who, uh, you know, his wife is clearly, you know, his wife and she, you know, she's not going to, this is not a movie where she's going to put on some chaps and go along for the ride. It's not that kind of story because that wouldn't be realistic in this world. But she's not a stereotypical, you know, no, wifey character. She's. she's 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 showing the the you know we're we're showing the two sides of even in this scene where they're talking yeah, it's like very there's much so in this there's scene. the um and it goes back to what I think um Eddie was talking about in another thing we did it's like she you don't you're not making the the female character strong by making her like masculine a, like a man yeah, yeah. yeah you're showing you're in this scene you're showing the you know, masculine strength, and you were showing feminine strength as a separate thing, but is right. an equally strong. And very thing. clearly, that they they together is what they you know they they yeah. they know that they do this. They, together. It's a, it's a yeah. partnership, yeah. yeah. And and they each have their job in this life, and and they do that job, and they they support each other. So you know, that said, the scene that just passed was kind of like really. <laughs> I mean, the movie. I think the movie. I want to give the movie the benefit well, of the doubt and say it's, a it's, lot of- it's commenting on the sort of sexist overtones where it's like. I don't want you to become someone's fry cook. She's like, I've been your fry cook for 40 years. And he's like, yeah, and you're doing good, too. You're like, high five, lady. Pat on head. Like, well, I think, no, no, no. I think there's not, a few moments. That's, there, that's that 40 years subtext. of marriage talking. That's yeah. what that is. Well, there's like, also, but like, joking. but there's also yeah. like the teacher saying, we understand it's a man world and we'll fuck right off, I guess. Yeah, but yeah. she's yeah. not happy about well, it. Well, I know, she, but yeah. I, I think both of those things are the, the writer of the script kind of being like, yeah, this is going to, yeah, huh? Well, like, yeah, it's, he, again, he's giving some of his own like modern insight into the world. Absolutely, characters. this is the you know this is the seventies. Women's lib is almost a word that we have at this point in time. Um, and let's take a moment. I don't know if you guys looked up the author of this thing, but there's a story. Wow, no, no let's no. Oh, that. The uh, uh, Jennings, uh, yeah, go to his Wikipedia page. It'll rock your world. Uh, <laughs> Jennings, this is the he wrote one novel that he's known for that this movie is based on, also called The Cowboys. Um, uh, two other screenwriters adapted it into a movie, um, so I don't know uh, how similar or different the original novel may be. Um, but he's only that's the only novel I believe that he was known for. He was mostly a playwright, um, and he was one of the founding uh, members of the uh, Mattachine Society. If you know your gay history. Uh, one of the very and everyone in the room gave me a blank look. Oh my god! Uh, 
That's one of the earliest. Like the Black Panthers of the gay movement. Yeah, it's one of the earliest cool. gay rights organizations. <laughs> Don't get any ideas, Michael. Ever in the fifties was a was several. Wikipedia. That's what. That's yeah. where I've heard that several folks who got together. I learned about that when I was researching the a musical concept, that I never back made. when homosexuality was still a mental illness that was cured by you know surgery yeah, like and, electroshock. and electroshock. These these group of guys. Get any together. ideas, everybody? Yeah. <laughs> no, Mike. Well, we, jury, Mike, we just want to try. Jury's still out. I mean, come on. The science is inconclusive. Uh, Look, I have a lamp and power in all these sockets. We can make this happen. <laughs> but the guy who wrote the novel that this is based on is not known for this. He's known for being a avant-garde playwright who was one of the founding members of one of the very earliest public gay rights movements. Um, so, huh. strangely enough, if you want to, you know, it's like every so often the movie. And again, maybe it's just it feels because many movies feel this way now that were never intended to be that way. But every so often, this movie goes a little on the homoerotic side, a right. little bit. Like when Bruce Dern starts to really ramp up, you're like, wait, where is he going with this right now? What is happening? And and some of the, you know, the, when the male bonding is kind of like, yeah, we're bonding, but I'm not comfortable with it kind of thing going on. You know? yeah. so, now, is that just something that's there because it's natural and normal for humans to interact that way? Or is there something else being, being thematically snuck in? Who knows? But uh, Anyway, it's very interesting that, again, this is not like churned out by somebody at the Hollywood Mill. Somehow or other, this guy wrote this one novel that turned into this movie. So it's, That's it's, awesome. it's coming from a very different place than most Westerns would come from. That, had, that particular piece of history had actually come up in research I was doing for a musical I wrote and then never made. Uh, I was working on with someone, and it was about basically uh, gay people in the 50s. And that was one of the things that I was like, oh, that, that's a thing. Cool. I could probably use that. And then I totally forgot about it. That's fascinating. <laughs> what a weird thing. I know. Go figure. So here you see... How, how far are we into the movie? Can, can <clears throat> we look real quick? Because as you watch it, it's interesting because the, you know we're, we're talking over it and stuff like that. As you watch it, the pacing, it's taking its time. There's a lot of first act to this movie. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of first act and it's taking its time. <clears throat> However, I mean, we're already at the point where... The the boys are about to do their thing, and we're only fifteen minutes in. Yeah. It's like well, they're, they're it's on it. It did this, but this goes on for surprisingly. The, the cattle drive doesn't start for quite a while yet. Right. Um, like I mean, and, and I think a modern version of this movie would tighten this up. You know, mm-hmm. would, would you know we don't need two cattle roping montages. You know, and yeah. so on. But I, you know, it's it's not like, and again. For me, it's just like, it's the Cowboys, and I love it so yeah. much. I was really curious to see how you guys would react, you know, having no agenda for it other than wanting to enjoy it. Actually, I don't have any problem with the pacing of the movie for the first, like, 80 or 90 minutes. Uh, it's just that after 80 or 90 minutes, I'm, I was expecting it's like, all right, where's the, let's let's bring this into land. But yeah. I, liked, I liked the speed at which we got into all this stuff, up to and including this whole stuff. And I was also really surprised at how, like, there's a lot of kids in this movie. There's like eight, yeah. ten hero, like, featured extra or actual character kids in this movie. And they're all really good. Like, yeah. I, there's not a moment where I'm like, that's a really fake performance. There's a few kids who are really outstanding. The kid with the stutter is really, really great. Yeah, he's fun. And I, I'm just impressed every time you get a bunch of, if you get a kid actor to look good and work in a movie, that's like a high five bro situation. <laughs> when you have like an entire cast of kids and they all are bringing it home, that's really cool. And. Yeah. High five movie. And well, of course, the, the the oldest kid is Keith Carradine, who went on to do Revenge Robert of the Nerd. Carradine. Robert Carradine. Pardon, I can always get my Carradines confused. He is a half brother of David and and uh, Keith. Full brother of Keith, I think, okay. and half brother of David. Is it, he the oldest like kid of this group, yeah. or is he Rufio that comes here in a second? No, no. That's well, the, that that guy's A Martinez, who's still around right now. A Martinez is now on the show called Longmire, and he just did a uh, he just did a guest appearance on Night Shift last week. Um, He's been around ever since. He's, he's the one who's worked the most. Uh, he and, Keith, he and, he and uh, Robert Carradine are the ones who worked the most out of this group. A lot of these kids went on or came from 
stunt families and doesn't surprise and me continued at all. to be stuntmen so they've worked continuously but not as actors so much it doesn't surprise uh, me at all because yeah. in addition to the yeah. performance shit it's like no that kid's really Some doing them, this yeah, that's yeah. Thing that's at one shocking. point like even just randomly in the background a guy is coiling rope exactly correctly like <laughs> yeah. a nine-year-old is doing the shit that it took me until i was 25 to learn how to do with cables so that yeah. you don't get like memory in Here's the road. Like, yep. only, only, uh, These dudes I think all they, know I what think, they're doing. I think uh, I, I watched a little bit of the behind the scenes because I, I had the Blu-ray and I think they talked about like they cast some of these kids because they were they were already doing this thing. Yeah. They just had to make them actors. They were, they were from rodeo families yeah. or stunt families. <laughs> and, and when it comes to the two, it's like, yeah. well, teaching you how to act is actually yeah. a lot easier yeah. than how to tame a fucking Ew. horse. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's the line from Charlie Wilson's where he's like, someone's making fun of the fact that he has all these like women secretaries and shit and he's a horn dog and she's he's like what why are you all women and the lady's like well as charlie says you can teach him to type you can't teach him to grow tits <laughs> uh the good old days so yeah charlie this, wilson this is robert carradine who uh you know still to this day kind of best known for revenge of the nerds but uh has has done that's pl- him done plenty of, yeah that's uh, that's lewis from revenge of the what? Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> that's him so, you know, of all things, but... Um, do they have... Do you, do you know if they had sort of like a uh, cowboy training camp the same way the soldiers in Saving Private I, Ryan? I would imagine they must have had something like it. Well, I mean, just you're just hanging out in the middle of nowhere with John Wayne all day. <laughs> yeah. You can't have a better cowboy training camp than that. It really is like this. I'm, it, this totally got me in, in the sense of like, at the end of this, I wanted to go to like cowboy space camp <laughs> exactly. with John Wayne. It's, it's, it's my goonies, I'm telling you. How about Space Cowboy Camp with space Tommy Cowboy Lee Jones? Like, oh, Sutherland. boom, splat. James Garner. You know, Jesus. Yeah. And, and this happens in every Western you see. If you watch a Western, there's always like, you know, when they're doing horse falls, which is like, it's amazing that people like do that on purpose ever in life. It's like, I'm going to, on purpose, just for a movie, I'm just going to fall to the ground with a horse on top of me. Let's yeah. do this. Woo. What, it's amazing what horses ama- still exist. Yeah. Well, what amazes me is that they can in any way train a horse to do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To do any of that. Or, or, or that a horse will let you do it more than once. Just like, okay, yeah. th- okay, whoa, you're not getting on me again, dude. <laughs> yeah. You clearly don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you've, got, you've got to go through this complicated aristocrat's routine for every horse yeah. every time. Last time, we, last time you got on my back, a lot of bad stuff went down, so I don't want to do that. Although I do like there is a couple of moments in this scene, especially for the rowdier rides that happen where it's like, you know, the little like a 10-year-old boy gets on the horse, cut to seven-foot-tall man yeah. riding horse, and then it, but cut every, to little kid falls. But every so often, you get, it's clear enough where it's clearly the guy. It's clearly yeah, the yeah. actual kid, too, sometimes. I mean, they're doing some pretty surprising. I mean, it must have taken a while to piece this whole sequence together, but... Yeah, they lost a lot of good kids that day. Yeah, they did. This was, this was not just part of the movie. This was really the casting process. They, they started with 17 kids, uh, and uh, it's a little, you know... Fun fact there that uh, some of them never made it out of the prairie. That was a bullseye Cliff Clavin just there. Yeah. So here comes uh, here comes A Martinez. Uh, is he on NPR? There's a guy whose name is E or A Martinez, and he's he, I, see, I hear him say his name all the time, and I'm always going A Martinez is a name. His name. I you know I, I'm not I don't have Wikipedia. I'll check. But, but I believe, But anyway, this this character I, I was there's a show, there's a show on A and E called Longmire, which is a western themed modern day western theme show that's actually I really like. Um, Set in, I believe, Montana. Shot in New Mexico, but set in Montana. About a, a sheriff in a very, very small town in the middle of nowhere. And it's all about, and there's an Indian reservation there. So it's all about the very complicated, weird dynamic between the local in, Indian uh, population on the reservation and, and the sheriff. And, um, and that guy, I was, he's in the show. He's one of the sort of kind of shady, he's the lawyer for the reservation in a sense. And so he's always a little shady and a little got a bit of a chip on his shoulder because he's like, you know, 
look, you white people still owe us. And that's kind of the basis of his character. And for the longest time, it was making me crazy because I could not figure he was, I, I couldn't, I, I knew I knew him. And then I finally put it together that it's him. It's, it's, uh, it's Cimarron from this, Cimarron. from this movie here. It's like, he's, uh, he's still at it. And Cimarron. he was just, and he just showed up, like I said, last week on the night shift, which is NBC's doctor show right now. I was like, there he was there. I was like, Hey, all right. Cimarron. You're right. You, a Martinez. Yeah. Okay. His name is Aldolfo. LaRue Martinez. He goes by A. I'm going to go ahead and say he's the Martinez. Actually, he's not, sir. He is the third. He could also be Trey Martinez. He is un Martinez. That's right. He is Trace Martinez. We got that in common. And this was one of his first movies, if not his first movie. But but yeah, so you bring this guy in and you kind of, I mean, I think it's sort of, (coughs) whether it's intended as a head fake or it's just that this movie is like, was written by people before movies had formulas. It's like, is he supposed to turn bad later? Because it's kind of set yeah, up that way. Yeah. That, you know, he's going he's gonna to be he's a problem. He's been rejected, so he's going to yeah, come back. He's yeah, he's going to be a problem later. And, and I'll point out, there is, in fact, a guy with the exact same name, A. Martinez, who hosts Take Two in our uh, Southern California NPR. Oh, yeah, the different dinner guy. party download guys. Yeah, different yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. He and Alex Cohen host right? Take Two. Yeah. So. so. Anyways, but yeah, I totally, I, I thought it was going to go there. I was like, oh, he's going to like hook up with the Brewster. Yeah, he's going to be the insider. He's the insider with Brewster yeah. or whatever. But no, he's just, you know, just a misunderstood kid. It's, yeah, it's, and it's interesting the, um, you know, the couple moments of, they don't get into it, but there's a couple moments where the movie just kind of goes, remember, it was really racist back yeah. then. Because there's... Everybody there's was racist with, about everybody. Yeah, there was the deal with him and there was that the kid. Jew? The Jew? Yeah, the kid, kid who basically yeah. goes, hey, I'm Jewish. my name's whatever, Take and, a I'm, swing. and I'm Jewish. Yeah. You want a piece of me? <laughs> yeah. And John Wayne's like, it's cool. Yeah. It's fine. Don't worry yeah. about it. I got, I got a whole thing going on already. It's fine. <laughs> And uh, yeah, well, I, you know, we're coming up to it because, uh, by golly, Roscoe Lee Brown's about to come in and rock the joint in a little while. Yeah. God bless you, Roscoe Lee Brown. Certainly turns this movie into a whole other thing when he shows up. I think he's just so great. But, um, you know, there's there's the, and it's, it's I'm just, Speaking you know, of landscape shots. Yeah, here you go. Yeah. About it, yeah. So with the, um, you know, the casual use of the n-word yeah. uh which you don't do even even in a historical context in which case in this movie it's completely appropriate um and not inappropriate for a movie that would be set in 1972 for that matter but uh seems so amazing it's just it's one of those things that is no longer part of the movie landscape yeah ever and uh unless you're tarantino yeah exactly and is is you know actually quite common and i think Authentic and you know perfectly appropriate in certain contexts, such as Plus the they're way not, it's used like, here. They're not overindulging in their ability to pull it off. Yeah. It only happens a couple of times. Yeah. Of course, there is the whole scene where all the kids are staring at him like, "You a black person? What <laughs> is your dick black? Wow!" <laughs> yeah. And I was I remember last night just something about the beats of that scene, which are hap- it's going to happen like fifteen minutes from now, and especially in winners too. Yeah, when he's like. Yeah, it's black. Everything's black. Like that scene's happening, and he turns around like he's about to tell the story about his dad or whatever it is. Yeah. And just something about the way the music is happening and the way he sort of like turns into his line. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, a musical number! It's about to be a musical number about his black dick. It's about to be a musical number about his black dick. I got a big black dick. <laughs> exactly. I, thought, I, I honestly thought it was gonna be like a chef thing for a second. John Williams. Hello, hidden. children, and just like break into song. John Williams' hidden gem. Did you know he wrote a song called Big Black Dick? I swear to no, I swear, like very sincerely. Like this comes from an, in good faith. I'm telling you, like in that moment, I was like, oh my. God, it's about to go into a musical number right now. It didn't, but just something about the cues of the edit just made me think that's going to happen. And what would they be singing about? 
wow, this will be the best song ever. Well, I guess the movie disappointed you on that level. Yeah, you know, and it's it's weird because, look, man, no movie can be perfect, but shit. (laughs) It would have transcended, certainly. (laughs) Son of a bitch. It had gone there. This movie could have been a classic, Trey. That would have been something. It doesn't, yeah. It could have been a classic. One raindrops falling on your head montage away from a classic, this movie. Now, in a uh, cinema fight, who wins between John Wayne and Clint Eastwood? Because I, so, I associate Ooh. both of those guys as being like Tuffy. the dude who was in a bunch of Westerns. But I'm, my understanding yeah. is that Wayne came a bit before and did a lot oh, more. Oh, a lot before. Wayne, Wayne's career went back to the 30s. You know, this is, this is Wayne at the end of the line. And Eastwood was just starting at this point. And he only did like a handful of shit in like the late 60s through mid 70s. And then he kind of moved on from the Western shit, didn't he? Eastwood? Eastwood? Eastwood. Yeah, Eastwood started... He had a, lo- he had a, longer, little, he had a longer window. Yeah, East, well... Or a, short, not, a, sh- I mean, a shorter, shorter window. A shorter yeah, yeah. window. Yeah, yeah. East, Eastwood, Eastwood started in Westerns. He was on Western TV series. He was, you know, Eastwood started as, you know, he's George Clooney. He was like, oh, he's that guy from that TV show. You know, he'll never have a movie career. You know, forget that. He had, to go to, he had to go to Italy to have a movie career and then come back as a star. Um, it's a good way to give yourself like an enema of cred. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've been I've been he in a bunch of Italian films. He couldn't get so. hi- he couldn't get hired in America. You know, he had no movie career in America. But they were like, oh, you were sort of. A lot of pop groups have to do the same yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Music. Go big, go get big in Germany. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So and so Eastwood came out of this world, and he was in these kind of movies. But you know, in the 50s, in the 60s, at least, in a, in a Western TV show. Uh, and then, but then, you know, again, he's starting around this era as well. But it's got that un-American, different POV that's skewing the genre, yeah. um, and sort of came back and made and made and made pretty basic in the in the zone westerns. I mean, Outlaw Josie Wales and so on are are all pretty conventional in terms of they're not really radically altering the formula, just in small ways um, here and there. They they kind of mess with the tropes. <clears throat> but that's very much the the more modern <clears throat> like you said this movie sort of gives a nod to yes we know this is actually kind of archaic and weird the way these people are acting but you know just roll with it um eastwood eastwood's westerns were like that too where they were very much a little more enlightened than the classic 30s 40s 50s westerns which is all about killing them darn engines and and taking their and the black, and it was really the straight black hat white hat yeah kind of approach much more great and this and here we get into it here when this movie came out, you know, of course, it's right at the tail of the Vietnam War, and there were certain certain you know movie critics who were like, "Oh, this is a whole allegory about teaching young men to be killers," and and you know, blah blah blah. And so some people really didn't like the movie for that respect. You know, like the like the old school people didn't like it because it was all about John Wayne getting killed, and that sucks. <laughs> and then like the more you know hip modern sensibilities were like, "Oh, it's a whole Vietnam allegory about how it's important for young men to learn how to kill, and that's terrible." Blah, blah, blah. And, and, and they pinned a lot of it onto like Wayne's personal politics. And right? Wayne was very conservative, a, yeah. you know, outspokenly conservative guy his whole life, not surprisingly. And and so, so I think this. I think and I think I think the latter is unfair though for this movie because I don't think the movie. I think that's too much reading in because I don't think the movie takes a moral stance on whether these events are bad or good. I think the movie doesn't say so. This is great, right? And it doesn't say so. This is wrong. What they did. It just says this is what happened. Is really yeah. all the movie gives you. This is how they got through. Yeah, and I think I think if there's any theme to this movie uh, is uh, it's the exchange. It, it sort of happens in the exchange with the wife. It definitely happens in the exchange with Bruce Dern, which is coming up in a sec. Where uh, Bruce Dern says you're a hard man, and John Wayne says it's a hard life, and I think if anything, that's what this movie is saying. Like no. this is just a, you know this is tough out here. And it's kind of hard to know exactly how to get through the day sometimes, but you, you do, you know, you do your best. 
Yeah, I don't know. I could see it. I could see the fact that it's, you know, these kids uh, set out and, you know, John Wayne is very clearly their father figure and they're trying to live up to, you know, become worthy of, of the father figures, you know, uh, uh, John Wayne-ness. You know, John Wayne-ness. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Uh, and then in the end, they do, right? So they're trying to live up to this ideal set forth by John Wayne, uh, the classic, you know, uh, masculine conservative icon. And at the end, they do. They are. They they cross that that threshold and become that at the end. Yeah. So I could see that, but I I do think that there's there's there are still two sides of it because John Wayne is his character is growing in the sense of like oh I don't actually have to be that hard ass uh, and maybe being that hard ass is kind of counterproductive and maybe that's why the two kids that I did actually yeah. have it's nice that they don't make a big me. deal out of that but it's yeah. there that yeah. you can kind of take like it like when he's dying he says stop it you're scaring the boys and all that yeah yeah, yeah. and so yeah he definitely grows when they catch the the boys drinking he's going to you know unleash hell and Roscoe Lee Brown pulls him back like, uh, oh like you didn't do that yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, i i can i can see that that one argument of oh there maybe there's this separate from whether or not I agree with it, which I don't think I do. But, but I, the movie I, is I, making. I, but I could yeah. see that, 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 yeah, the movie is making that argument. But yeah. that, I do think that ignores the other half of it where it's, it's saying, well, th- this is the other half of that coin, though. I, de- I definitely, watching this, did have a little bit of discomfort where the third act is the kids going on a murder spree. <laughs> and I was like, uh. Well, yeah, and <laughs> what's, what's like specifically my thing is, I think this movie's awesome, but if I was going to give it like a, a touch-up on the script, I might I might lose five or eight pages, but honestly, the, the length doesn't bother me. Uh, the thing I, I would strengthen a little bit, though, is I think at some point, Will should have had a line where he says to the kids, this money is for my wife, so something, something, but it's my wife, et cetera, et cetera. It's our life. I'm going to pay you guys, but mostly it's because my wife, something like that. Set up a thing where it's like, it's, what's important to Will is that his wife is okay and all this stuff. The kids know that. Movie happens anyway, whatever. Whole movie happens. And then once he dies, the kids go off on the murder spree because they want to pay homage to him by doing what he was trying to do and help his wife have a thing so they can come back and say he died but he you know the, we did this for you because he wanted it right now what happens I think is it's implied though that that's exactly I what they're doing I think it is maybe it's maybe it's implied it he, could have been a little does, bit stronger because at speech, first yeah. I think it's like holy shit they're gonna kill <laughs> yeah. they're gonna fucking kill the dude okay no they're not gonna kill him okay good Whew. what are they doing oh they're just going to get the money Wait, why and you could see like I, you can read between the lines that that's what's happening but if I, the only thing I would do is just put a little bit more of like a touch of a bow on the yeah. they're going off to do this thing because it's not what Will would have wanted it's what Will would have done yeah well by the way here's the scene that's if the movie you want you want anytime the movie goes like here's some symbolism for yeah. you <laughs> this would be the scene they are the, literally butting heads the old cow and the young cow and he says yeah see the old one's got the experience but the young one's got okay we get it we got it uh, and this is one of those things again you know a lot of first act here a modern movie probably would skip it you know it's like okay we don't really have to hit the nail quite so hard on the head um, for a 72 <laughs> movie with a snap it, zoom into the cow yeah I think well <laughs> it's the other thing is you can also look at this like you know, this movie is being made in the middle of nowhere with 72-era cameras to it. Um, you'll notice the focus isn't always there sometimes because they were clearly like, okay, that's the only shot we got of Robert Carradine on his horse in the river that was even remotely close to usable, so just we're going to roll with it. But yeah, so the idea that... And every once in a while, there's a little a little faux zoom in where clearly they're trying to, to fix a, a shot that just is the best shot they had to, to do a moment. Um, 
So you have to understand that, like, you know, when you kind of seen where the, okay, we turn the cow loose, you, it's not like you got a lot of takes of that. It's like, we're, okay, we're just going to get what we get. So it's interesting how the movie manages to, to sort of make a movie out of all this undirectable action of many animals and people going every which way. Anyway, so the idea of the, you know, you, in modern day, you probably wouldn't do the scene of the guy going, yeah, the old cow and the young bull and, you know, and get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. Just like, you don't need story-wise the the hooker scene. I mean, the the hooker scene. That's also true. Yeah, doesn't do anything. I thought it was going to come back. Yeah, yeah so it, does, it doesn't have a story. I thought they were going to play a part in the uh, revenge. Yeah, you would think they're going to well, show up with guns, with, show up with the guns blazing. A modern <laughs> movie would do that. You know, by Jerry Bruckheimer would absolutely have that happen in the ending. Jerry Bruckheimer, or all the way on the other side, mm-hmm. Robert Rodriguez. Yes, like Robert Rodriguez would totally. I mean, the dude hey, who doesn't realize he's doing exploitation would do it. The dude who realizes he's doing totally exploitation would do it. On would do it. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so yeah, I mean, story wise, you could lift that out. It's you know that's where the movie takes a little detour to kind of go. Oh, you know, let's talk about men and women again a little bit, and and boys and men, and and the dynamic of that. And boys to men, exactly. So, so yeah, that's you know you could easily lose. 15 minutes out of this movie and not miss any plot but of course you would lose some of the 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 broader the broader picture of what uh, what they were going for you shouldn't have answered that question so specifically guy that's the that's the thing it's like how long were you with vance he's like oh the last eight years he's making this shit up you should at least account for the possibility that this dude is going to know what's happening last year. So be like, oh, for a couple of years, a while back. Yeah. Fine answer. Who keeps track? Fine answer. And then he won't know that immediately. You haven't given yourself up. Come on. Yeah. Guy. Well, then Come say on. Your, your last thing, the, make that the farthest away thing. Oh, yeah. Well, we were, in, we, did, we were in California the last couple of years. And now we just came back here. Exactly. But we were back here like eight years ago. That's why he says, uh. how long did you work with Lance? You say, oh, a couple of years, a while ago. A few years, a few years back. As opposed to, oh, like, I, was, I just saw him this morning. Why? Did you, have you talked to him? No, he's been dead. Shit, I should have thought of that. <laughs> Oops. Well, you know, it's, it's the Old West. It's not like dying happens a lot or anything. No, it's not like it's a hard life out here. Uh, but anyway, back to the point you were talking about is the, you know, what, what is the, the motivation for the, the massacre at the end? I, you know, the, movie, the movie's answer is basically summed up in Robert Carradine's moment when, you know, Roscoe Lee Brown says, what are you doing? You know, you're going to get yourself killed. And, and Robert Carradine says, we're going to finish a job. Yeah, you know, and and if anything, that's that's what they learned. Whatever the motivation for is, yeah. like we were hired to get these cattle to Belfouche. That's what we are going to do or die trying. So, although in that moment, right before he says that, I was like, "Are they about to fucking hang?" Well, that's the thing. Yeah, that's I really love right, that, that moment. I, I, I'm really curious. You know, Shuts all my lost boys. We're, we're ways away from that deal, but I, I wonder. It's like since that moment is is really not telegraphed, but make again surprising but inevitable. Well, as soon as it happens, you go, "Oh, of course, that's what's going to happen now." But I'm curious, like all of you, when we get there, like what your reaction was? Because yeah, it's like you look at it and you go, "What are they going to? What are they doing right now?" Bang! Or well, bang. As, as soon as they, as soon as John Wayne locks up all the guns in one box at the beginning, <laughs> you go, "Okay, well, that's obviously <laughs> yeah." There's uh, gun on the mantle, and then there's all of the guns in that yeah, box over there. All the guns on <laughs> yeah. the chuck wagon. It's the same concept guns on the chuck wagon would be a good name for a western or a punk album <laughs> guns on the chuck wagon or an opera why not let's and, do it and then they're just or a hospital fuck it i mean they really they really just fucking went on a cattle drive with john wayne <laughs> yeah yeah like that actually happened this exactly. is just a rich guy's bucket list item like they made the movie to cover the fact that this guy just wanted to ride around on horses with john wayne yeah, for a month yeah. and a half it's just like i want to i want to i want a cattle drive with john wayne Please, well, sure. I mean, film financing work. That's basically how film financing works. Like, yeah, well, we got, you know, uh, John Wayne and we got John Wayne on board. Oh, I want to hang out with John Wayne. Here's half a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. 
It's like, yeah, there's just rich oil men off camera going, this is great, this is crazy awesome. That reminds me of the whole thing in Ed Wood where he's trying to get Vampira. Yeah. It's like, I don't have to blow a dentist to make money, dude. You guys can find your own actress. I'm not going to be a part of this just <laughs> yeah. because you need me. I'm, no. Yeah. I'm perfectly okay. So actually, we haven't talked a little bit about uh, the, the story. The John Wayne, the history of John Wayne, this is toward the end of his career. He went on to do other films that were a little more conventional. He would mess with his image a little bit. He did like, the, like True Grit. I mean, True Grit, I think, this and True Grit, if you want to sort of see the later John Wayne, you know, he's, he's playing a broader character in True Grit. This is, uh, this is a much more sort of uh, subdued kind of character. He's, he's playing the wacky, crazy, eccentric guy as much as John Wayne can uh, in True Grit. You know, hey, come on down. He's much, you know, broader, sort of more expansive kind of character. Um, and, yeah, and then he also did, you know, he was in that same phase of, uh, you know, his career like uh, Schwarzenegger and Stallone are now, where they kind of, he would grind out, you know, okay, here's a Western, here's another Western, here's an action movie where I'm like a tough cop and, you know, McHugh and things like that and pretty forgettable movies. Um, his last movie, of course, I don't know if it was his very last movie, his last movie I think was a forgettable action he won, but his second last movie, it wasn't his last one, was The Shootist which also plays on his own real-life persona because in that one, by, this, by, by the end of his life, John Wayne had lost already one lung to cancer and kept right on going and, uh, and was you know, clearly, clearly in fading health. And The Shootist is about an aging gunslinger who just wants to die peacefully, but everyone knows he's that gunslinger. And Ron Howard is the young kid who idolizes him and wants to kind of learn to be a gunslinger and and it's all about how and he has cancer. John John Wayne's character in the movie has cancer. Um, his doctor Jimmy Stewart uh, says, <laughs> "I want to see this fucking yeah movie. the shootest." It's and it's and it's you know he's very clearly you know in real life fading you know and this is going to be his last movie or one of his last movies. Um, and it's all about I, I I I'm not that guy anymore. I'm not. It's it's kind of it's it's got a sensibility of Unforgiven. Yeah. Like you know I don't want to be that guy anymore. And of course. Because of reasons, he ends up having to be that guy one last time, and so so yeah, uh, don't say yeah. Unforgiven co- owes a little bit of its uh, its idea to the shootist, and it's you know again it's it's one of those John Wayne never. I mean John Wayne was never no method actor. I mean John Wayne just showed up and did his thing always. The few times that he stepped out of character are kind of the notoriously not great moments for him. You know, like you know he played Genghis Khan in The Conqueror, one of the most notoriously awful movies uh, of, of the era. <laughs> I um, forgot about that. Yeah, exactly. Whatever he was like any other character actor, which is true to this day. He when he would step out of his persona, people would go, "Yeah, no, John would not, not that. Don't do that." Whether Charles it was good or not, to play a Mexican, I mean, the Quiet Man he did with John Ford, which is about you know when he played a, you know Irish guy in Ireland and and so on. Is like it was kind of like you know that's that was one of the few times. He kind of got a, a little bit of you know positive attention for not playing John Wayne as usual, but this movie, even this movie, is not quite the stereotypical John Wayne. The story behind the scenes is this was directed by Mark Rydell, who at the time was 30s to maybe 40 um, years old, had come out of TV, was just starting to do movies. Uh, he went on to do The Rose and uh, a bunch of other uh, great movies, but um, Star Wars, yeah, Star Wars, but. Um, but this was an early film, so and supposedly the story goes that one of the things he did, knowing that Wayne is not going to be a method actor, but wanting to try and get a certain vibe out of John Wayne's performance, is he sort of made sure that the that the crew was kind of as many sort of young hippie dude types as he could get. So so Wayne himself off camera would also be surrounded by young kids who yeah. he didn't quite understand, 
and not his usual crowing. You know, he would go out and you know he would go out in the desert every four years and make a movie with John Ford and Jimmy Stewart and all of his guys, and that was his career for decades. And this is all he sort of kind of on his own in the middle of nowhere with without his normal support network and a bunch of youngsters, and having to kind of just. Right, I was just like hoping that it would make Live him all prickly that. and like, yeah, exactly. all right, come on, and you know that you kids, fuck, that, you know if that helped inform his sensibility or not, then uh, you know. But I think I, like you said, you know, I don't think you would probably like John Wayne as much if you saw some of his stereotypical. Let's get them, you know. He's he always was good. He always was good at stuff. Sometimes the parts he was playing were pretty much like just all swagger and let's kill them engines. I mean, even in the fifties, he did some good stuff. The Searchers is he plays a very conflicted, interesting character in the Searchers. Um, that's 50s or early 60s. But um, this movie, I think, is is one of his most genuine, the way we would look at it today as a, you know, a real performance and not just... Acty, acty. Yeah, not just a, a, a caricature character like, I'm John Wayne, this is what I do, let's get a movie here. So so he's really... He's really <laughs> I'm John Wayne. Po- howdy, howdy, howdy. Yeah, howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> I'm a cowboy, right? Um, then we got Roscoe Lee Brown. Here yeah. comes Mr. Brown. This oh, is and like the, the hat toss here they talk about in the behind the scenes. <laughs> Left handed. In this long shot. Yeah. And he just whoop. Yeah. And, he, he there's, there's, and there's a huge foreshortening happening nothing here. Nothing but That's like net. a 15-foot yeah. throw. Yeah. And he t- they talk about in the behind the scenes, you know, they were just doing it. And the, the kid, like that was sort of an accidental thing. Like the kid yeah. wasn't supposed to leave his hat, but he's like, cool, character bit. And he did that and he was like... And he just nailed it. He hadn't practiced it or anything. And he was like, oh, God, oh. keep it together. That was so awesome. <laughs> the actor or the director? The director. Oh, no, 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 so oh, the actor. oh please, please, the, please, please, it, please. No, it was the, it was the actor yeah, being right. like, Make oh, my God, end. just get through this. It's like, because that was so bad. I, I will in, never in get that moment, and, and He's and like also, all he, preoccupied with the fact where he's like, if I don't fuck this up, what yeah. I'm doing right now is in the movie. Yeah. And also, and also <laughs> so in the movie. I know which take is happening. That was, that was his first bit of kind of really working with the kids. So he was just blowing them away, too. He's like, I'm so awesome. Who's a big fat badass? Me. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> now this is right here. He turns around and like there's a little like da 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 in the in the music. <laughs> it's just a subtle thing. It's just part of score. But I thought it was gonna be like it's Yeah, exactly. Every part of me is black. Whop. Swap. Swap. You can touch it if you want. It doesn't rub off, but you can try. <laughs> that's a whole other movie. That that was that's the original version that that guy wrote. Hey, cowboys! <laughs> he really pu- he was pushing the envelope too hard in the first uh, draft, and they took it back a notch. But <laughs> I do I do. Uh, <laughs> Don't rub off, but you can try. <laughs> I I actually think it's interesting that they they go here. Like you said, you know the context of the time, and and so they try to do a little, um, you know, kind of. Dance move? Uh, and, no, they try to do like an anti-racist thing where oh. they, the kids aren't being racist. They're like, yeah, other than like his skin color, he's just like us. And he's the one who's like, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I am not. No, no. <laughs> well, we ain't never seen a yeah. before. Yeah. Uh, they're, it's, it's doing its best to, to excuse it without, with still uh, just portraying it the way it would have been portrayed. I, I feel like in real life, in the actual time period, more of these kids would have just been overtly racist and right. just, you know, oh, aren't you actually? Yeah. Yeah. Whether whether or not you've seen one, yeah. you know that they're not, you know, that they're inferior. Like, oh, this is them, one of them monkey people. Okay. Wow. That's that's crazy. I've never seen one before. But the, uh, yeah, the, they certainly, again, even for the sensibility of the time, they, they, they don't, that's. I'm sure why they didn't make a bigger, bigger deal out of it. It's like, if you're supposed to like these kids, it's like, these kids can shoot 
10 guys, that's yeah. fine. But let's not have them be like really racist. We don't want them to be mean to someone we like. Yeah, let's make them be innocently racist yeah. in the sense that they just don't know no better and uh, make it like that. Yeah, but cute, I do, cute I do, racist. I do like that. Like they, Justin Bieber. Yeah. I they, said it. Come at me. They used the scene to establish. <laughs> this bleeding shot. Yeah. This, was, this was a shot. I was telling Trey. I was yeah. like, literally, and I know we've, t- we've talked about this before. Just a big wide shot of a jillion cows. But yeah, but my, my first thought, honestly, genuinely was, wow, that's good compositing. And I had to be like, nope. You think it's like Moss Eisley back there? Yeah, exactly. Like, nope, there literally legitimately is. That is just a fuck ton of cows. Uh, (laughs) A fuck ton of cows in the background of a dialogue scene. Let's just, okay. All right, I I needed 300 cows there. And we're going to shoot this close up. Not to mention, if those cows, like, they have to be prepared for the possibility that one of those cows is going to start, like, moving that way. They're all going to follow them out of the shot. Which means there have to be dudes whose job it is to be in the deep background, out of frame somehow... There, in case the cows start moving, so oh, they can yeah, stop it. The Wranglers. Yeah. So where the hell are they yeah. hiding? Are they and, are they in the cows? I'm sure they're. Yeah, are they're, they in a cow suit? The good news is <laughs> they can kind of blend in amongst the townsfolk in shots like this, and you know sometimes they're just. I'm sure you know. There's like one guy cattle drive. There, the Wranglers are the Wranglers. They're out there, you know. There's and like, like one dude back there in like a denim, denim jacket with like round sunglasses. Yeah, they on. probably. Like, oh shit! Hide. Yeah, for safety, you'd always, you know, no matter what, always have to wear a period costume just in case you get into a shot. It doesn't matter. It's not like you're wearing, you know, your Ray Bans out. There. Roy, we can see you. Sorry. Yep. And uh, you know, it takes a while to set up a shot. Yeah, especially a wide shot uh, of cows. The and I, and I understand that cows are, you know, generally not very mobile. <laughs> you know, they're they're content with trouble much, in a leather bag. Yeah, but still, like, it, it can take a good half an hour to just yeah. set up a shot. And the cows must just fucking stand there. Yeah. And what what happens if you're like 25 minutes into setting up their shot and the cows just cows decide they want to go? move around. Well, it's worse still when the cows have to go from here to there, which half yeah. this movie consists of. It's like, okay, so back to one <laughs> with <laughs> the cows. You know, so get them back up to the top of the ravine. Yeah, please, if you could, if you just have the cows, get all 500 cows back How to long the top of that reset? mountain. Well, I don't know. How long has the earth been around? Yeah. See you all tomorrow morning. We'll do take two. So, yeah, it's just, it's it's mind-boggling. But, of course, this is also the real life to this day of some people. You know, you didn't drive, you don't drive cows across the open plains so much, but you do open graze them and do have to, you know, there's a guy who's kind of famous right now up in uh, Montana, wherever he is for, for this is his life. Um, Who also he, has opinions about black people. Yeah, he does. He has, oh, he has some things yeah. to say about black people. So, and Mexicans. So. And a government. And a government. And being on the take, so, so yeah, so it's not. Uh, this is a skill that there are still humans on the planet who possess is making cows go places. It's <laughs> it's a skill that most of us can't relate to, but it is. An I mean, a lot skill. of those people went off and got jobs designing theme parks, but you know. Yeah, exactly. Now, actually, uh, one of the weird sensibilities when we were doing uh, Starship Troopers, I actually gave a speech much like that to the animators when we do these our mass shots of the the bugs herding across the across the desert in uh, Troopers. I said. Imagine if this was real. Imagine if this movie was being made by... We had a bug wranglers out there in the middle of nowhere, and we had 10,000 bugs. And, and one of those bugs was retarded and couldn't and be brought Verhoeven back. And was on a crane and was like, okay, so let's get all the bugs over here, and we're going to call action. So we, I, I deliberately and, you know, would try and impress on the animators, and I would do it myself sometimes. I would put bugs in there who were clearly going the wrong direction, uh-huh. and bugs who clearly were missing their cue and hadn't started when they were supposed to. <laughs> yeah. One bug's just like off, <laughs> on, it, on his start point for the whole shot, like yeah. playing with his belly button. We tried really hard to build that into the, the, the stampeding bug shots of Starship Troopers that, you know, these are not trained bugs. 
you know, <laughs> that, that uh, we, we, so these bugs are not always going to hit their marks the way they're supposed to. So we tried to build some weird random sloppiness into the way they were. Do you have to do that with the big like queen bug at the end that feels fear where it's like, it doesn't look like it feels fear. It wouldn't. <laughs> that's a dumb bug. Yeah. It don't feel fear. Movie's bright. saying it feels fear. It's it don't a, feel fear. Well, that's why you put, you know, Doogie Hauser out front to go, it's afraid. Oh, thank you. Because right. I didn't get that from its expression. Right. Exactly. <laughs> You know, Neil, we didn't need you for that one because we could clearly see it in the giant wall of vagina monster. Yeah. Well, it's part clearly of the, afraid. Part of the gag clearly is, afraid. is he right, just exactly. anyway? Yeah, it's a yeah, joke. Really. It's a joke in the movie, so it's, it's not afraid. fair. It's like, oh it's my. afraid. Actually, it's doing calculus. It is. It's like, it's like hold on. <laughs> Says it doesn't like Toy Story 2. Yeah. <laughs> it's clearly, a monster. Clearly, this is a, a monstrous race. Yeah. <laughs> well, they must be destroyed. So, yeah, Look there's a that. shot of a Martinez. Now, of course, these kind of things you do with 18 cameras and you just go okay here we go yeah. for the best you know so well, yeah this is the kind of movie where viewing the dailies the next day is absolutely essential oh, yeah. you know, like, what oh the, my gosh what, what the this. fuck did we actually get i have yeah. no idea what we actually no shot yesterday clue what yeah. we got it's not that they don't know where they put the cameras it's that there's too many cameras to remember yeah so well here's the question actually uh, so this would be 72 so they're shooting on film obviously and they're also shooting in the middle of nowhere are they like fedexing or whatever fedex was at the time uh, back to Hollywood to have the film developed and then FedExing it back Probably. to them to watch dailies? Probably. Well, it wouldn't have been daily. It would have been like, we'll yeah, watch we, this well, next yeah, week. Well, yeah, yeah, but yeah. But, but still, I mean, they... They, yeah, I probably wouldn't they don't have a you know a, a, or maybe somewhere some sort you know, of portable post house. Or you set up nearby. a deal with whatever you know whatever branch of Kodak is closest. You know, yeah, or, Kansas or City or something. Or it is, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but I mean, you know, they're, they're shooting in the middle what what <laughs> appears as the middle of nowhere, but. Obviously, you know these guys are going back to their hotels at night. They're not. They're not actually. Yeah, well, John, don't Wayne, break the magic. John yeah. Wayne will John go to Wayne a hotel at night. Yeah. Well, I'm just. I'm just John saying, Wayne slept standing up, sir. They're That's close right. enough to civilization that they would have been able to get it into the hands of somebody who could get it to a uh, develop. Uh, you know, um, lab. But. John Wayne would sleep standing up in the middle of the field, propped up by shotguns and firewood, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And two guys he killed in a fight, fair. And smoking a cigarette. I'll also don't underestimate the uh, the possibility of a just, here's here's a PA. Here you go, PA. Here's the film. Drive it 12 hours and then come back tomorrow. Yeah, that's, that's the On, uh, standard way of doing it. Yeah. One, of the, uh, one of the asylum films I was assistant editor for, they shot out in India, <laughs> which is like an hour and a half or two hours out in the desert east of LA. And that was just one of the PA's jobs was where they would shoot. He would finish shooting. He would drive it to me two hours. You'd high five. We, I would high five him. I would take the drives. I would dump the footage off, hand him the drives back. He would drive back out into the desert. Fun fact: that guy on that show, he learned Chinese. He was just in his <laughs> yeah. car with one of those like read it and learn it tapes. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I've known. I've uh, had friends who were. Um, uh, I had a friend who was briefly a a superhero courier oh. around town. When that, even though like you know that you can just email a PDF <laughs> now, but. But some of the things they don't want, you know, on, yeah. on some, the... Something still get curry. Yeah, they don't want along the wires. Yeah. So they literally would be like, okay, you know, here you are at, in, at Warner Brothers in Burbank. You've got to get this to Paramount or whatever. So here is the script. Sit in your car. Drive across town. And, oh, and yeah, yeah. You're just going to drive back and forth across L.A. until your eight or ten hour shift is up. And, <laughs> and that's just all you do all day is drive. So, yeah. I was reminded of that because he was totally doing that. He's like, I got audiobooks. I'm freaking learning, you know, Japanese. I'm, doing <laughs> I'm learning <laughs> pigeon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why? So. Why not? Why not? I've done I have, everything else. I have the time. 
Well, I said, you know, you hear every now and then with, you know, a highly sensitive script with Tarantino's next script or whoever right. Spielberg's well, next yeah. script. You or take it to his house. You, you sit, sit there in the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He will read it for two hours and then he will give it back to you. And But you just sit out front of yeah. his house until he's done. Yeah. You don't leave until he hands it back to you. Do you think you that they back. tell those guys like how to behave specifically where it's like, OK, now you go hand this to Tom Hanks and you sit like just outside of the room with him. Make sure you don't hear any copying sounds. Don't stand behind him. Don't read over his shoulder. If he don't starts make- laughing, don't say, what'd you just read? What's funny? Just <laughs> don't, don't be a guy. Don't make eye contact. Don't, don't ask for an autograph. Don't raid his fridge. For the next 10 hours, you are not a person. Yeah. <laughs> Unless he asks you to. <laughs> Which is pretty much every job in the yeah, film industry. Yeah, it's true. If he asks you to go down to his puzzle basement, don't do it. <laughs> You don't want to go down to Tom Hanks' puzzle basement. No, on second thought, do do it. We really need him for this movie. Yeah, whatever, whatever it takes, man. Big bonus coming from you. So this was... Uh, we don't the, care what his fee is, and we don't care if it includes you, buddy. One of the ways that this uh, To Modern Eyes movie doesn't always uh, stand up is some of their uh, night scenes. Um, their day for nights. Yeah, this, and this, of course, is more of a, you know, an actual night with... Uh, you know, Mysterious, where's that light actually coming yeah. from? Light, which yeah, is, they don't you know, do a lot of day for night. That's but the, and the day for night that they have yeah. is like not very successful, but you, you know, you see, you can clearly understand why they did it because they didn't really have a choice and a way of doing it. Um, but uh, yeah, some of their night, but even their night night scenes like this are, are you know, to modernize, they're a little like, where's that gigantic blue, clearly electrical kind of light Bzzz. coming from, you know, but that's that's. It's not that bad. It just it makes things look a little stagey to modernize. But uh, but it's it's that one. It's unfortunately the, the Charlie scene, which is coming up, is is the That's most super, egre- yeah. most egregious, not that great day for night. But there really wasn't a lot of option um, for that kind of stuff. Yeah, you had a billion cows, and you had to make you had to do yeah. it quick because like, there were kids. Got to do it in broad daylight. We're not doing that at night under lights. You know, yeah. that's just nuts. Trey, do you generally like westerns? Are westerns a thing that you would call one of your favorite genres, or is it they just- really aren't? I it, I. It's just that they... When they're I'm, good, they're good. I'm familiar with them because, you know, the way that, you know, a child today is like, you know, well, aren't Marvel movies, what, isn't that, Marvel movies means movies, right? Um, <laughs> you don't have to say, you just yeah. say the, right. when they're not Marvel right. movies. Right, we're going to go watch, we're gonna go watch a not-superhero movie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, half the TV, literally half, it felt <laughs> like, the television series on the air when I was a child were westerns. I mean, you would have evenings of entire, like one western after another, and Gunsmoke was still on and, and whatever. And if it wasn't Westerns, it was Lawyers and Doctors, which, of course, we still have as a genre. And the Western has completely vanished for some reason. But the, you know, Lawyers and Doctors have been there ever since. But um, that was it. TV was Westerns and Lawyers and Doctors. And then they would, you know, there'd be a Western doctor or a Western lawyer. They would try and mix it up. They would do whatever they could. Like, okay, we got, all, we got that back a lot with all, them, all those horses. Yeah. <laughs> How do we do another Western? Let's, uh, what's, what's a new Western we can do? So... So yeah, so it's it's not like I don't have like a love for westerns as a genre, and you know, and, and in terms of movies, the classic movie genres. I mean, yeah, I didn't haven't really seen a lot of them, and the ones I have are don't necessarily not necessarily crazy about the the sort of the classic, like the ones my grandfather would have you know really dug, you know, Fort Apache and and you know things like that. They're a little to me, they're a little stodgy and a little like wow, really. Um, but because it was such a a rich genre. Like any other genre, it's like you can sort of pick and choose and go, well, that one was a little off the bell curve. That one's interesting. And that one's kind of cool. And, and so on. That's why when I finally got around to seeing The Searchers, I was kind of surprised because The Searchers is a pretty brutal flick um, from time to time in terms of some of the ideas it plays with and is 
sympathetic to to the Native Americans in a way that movies uh, necessar- weren't necessarily, but not really sympathetic. But it's it's, it's got that same sensibility. Like, look, it's everybody's killing each other out here. Nobody's the good guy really in this story. This is all kind of messed up. So it's all about let's just watch these characters deal with it. But um, there's some pretty rough stuff in the Searchers that was surprising. Here's yeah, here's Robert Carradine being. Dragged all the way out of the river, into and then playing his scene. Okay, let's just continue the shot. It's great. Keep rolling. With and and fifty thousand cows in the background. Yes, and with fifty thousand cows in the background. If you would, you just know that in the blooper reel in the in the movie when it ends, you're playing the blooper reel at the same time. And there's like the one off take where he was fucking around and he came in on water skis. Yeah, woo! He's got his hands up. Yeah. Carradine, uh, I just I, find I just it, want you to know that it's really impossible to get these shots, man. I thought it'd be fun. We have fun, you know. I just find it inconceivable that they would. Just purposefully construct the shot so you have to have all the cows back there <laughs> like yeah. is there no other way you could like that's the whole point of knowing how to f- shoot a film is so you, you could shoot it without it's the footprint of the snow like yeah, it, but it but again it's like it's the one thing this movie has it's like we can't we can't make it look like it's nighttime but we have got a lot of cows and we've got guys who will put those cows wherever they need yeah. to be and not to and now mention, we're not and not to mention this yeah. is now a movie, definitely yeah. there's a there's a ton of shots of like 20 people in this movie yeah. Like 20 people in the frame at any given time. And yeah, now we only see about 12 cows. So but, now, yeah. now the other cows are gone just pay attention home. to every time you see a shot of like the whole group of kids or any number of the kids, all of their faces are always visible. That's a staging choice where how do you do that with 20 kids in any given setting? Yeah. Like every, t- every single time you have to make it happen. You have to get them like farther away and stand on Apple Box and all this stuff just to make sure that a group of 20 kids, it doesn't look like a group of 40 shoulders. Now, this is this is the one piece of the film that i will take real exception to yeah whole, that's like, that, i was gonna say this is <laughs> just this is just, something, at, just be an asshole to him out of it and that, yeah. that'll straighten him out yeah, yeah. like you just i figured in any you, case the kid is really I killing you it. kids would kid, flag that one yeah the, the like, kid the kid is killing it but like yeah, yeah. That, that's not that's, that's not a, how the brain works yeah it's like no that's an actual neurological issue that he's got <laughs> now <laughs> if john yeah, wayne had you know what it's the fucking frontier shut up if john wayne had made him you shut up you goddamn son of a bitch we're not gonna be able to send you to neurolinguistic summer camp no. out here so you just stop stuttering that's all i got for you stop it just stop it or you're dead stop that yeah no but if john wayne had asked him to no, sing it's fine. his complaint it's fine that, that would have worked it's fine that yeah. that's where he's where john wayne is coming from he's like i got nothing for you but stop it uh, but yeah. that the movie's like john wayne was right it's like well no but that's a, that's a but, real well it's 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 the stern father figure yeah. thing that i that i really have no patience for it's like well if 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 I'm just mean enough to you, then you'll just man up and deal with it. Like, well, no, that's actually horrible and responsible <laughs> for a lot of the world's ills. <laughs> now, the uh, it's actually a thing that they wouldn't have known this now, much less in the 1800s. But people who have severe speech impediments can sometimes actually totally sidestep them if they just sing what they have to say yeah. or, or because it comes things. from a different part of the brain and it doesn't get yeah. impeded in that part of I the mean, brain. I mean, you can find ways to do it. I mean, James Earl Jones famously had a stutterer that he that he yeah. found a way to work through. And there's and also, like that, um, so. well, it's just, you know, my significant other reads books and books and books about this stuff for her, uh, for her degree. But um, one of the other ones that's really cool is that thing that's like an app now where you can play it and it's supposed to make everyone like, oh, you can't talk when you listen to this thing. Oh, yeah. And all it is, is is just it's a recording feedback with some latency. So you're hearing yourself looped back behind yourself, oh, yeah. looped back but hearing yourself. One. And it's just you start listening to yourself and you get all confuzzled. Uh, if you do that with a certain amount of latency, that's less than will make you sound like you had a stroke, but more than nothing, people with stutters will often just like snap 
out of it and be able to talk totally normal mm. until they until you stop listening to it and then they go right back and like singing will get around it sometimes and it's just weird how the brain is configured for it's not necessarily that the language center is screwed up it's just speech specifically so you, if you can do anything to sort of like tripwire how the speech is getting formulated in your brain it doesn't happen anymore for some people some people are <laughs> screwed and it sucks but it's just weird that there are actual like that's what that's what should be called a life hack. Like a life hack shouldn't be you know you can use a bottle top to close a bag of Cheez-Its. It should be like <laughs> yeah, right. you know if you sing that's it so useful. You know someone who has an impenetrable stutter can just sing to make it work. <laughs> Fucking life yeah. hack. Oh, that's good. Yeah. No, but seriously though, if you wrap your beer bottle with a wet paper towel, it'll freeze faster. So I've tried that one, and I don't think that that's actually. I haven't good. heard of that. It's one. worked for me. Yeah. Well, I didn't do it with a control group, but uh, no. I, I understand the theory, though. I, it makes sense, but I, I haven't done it with a control group. Listen, if it's not double blind, it doesn't count. So That's you need right. somebody else exactly. to give you beer But that bottles. guy who talks really loud on YouTube said it worked. So <laughs> He does talk really loud. That he guy? He does. He's very excited about yeah. things. Which guy? I, the, Just one that, of the, that guy. One of those guys on YouTube that talks really loud and has a show. So, I like to think that everyone does, whose uh, face I haven't seen but whose voice I have heard is all one of two people. Either a person who's a guy or a person who's a girl. But they're oh, all I thought you were going to say same. or John Lasseter. John Lasseter. <laughs> <laughs> In my mind, they're all John Lasseter. Oh, that's a pretty little poetic thing to say. So here's, here's Yoda here. Now, now Roscoe Lee Brown is, is for Brian. Brian was mentioning that, you know, he sort of Roscoe Lee Brown sort of emerged fully formed from the forehead of Zeus. You weren't really <laughs> familiar with this guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but oh, what I was saying to Trey was that he, it, he was really reminding me of an actor that I was like, is it that guy? But it can't be that guy because this that is, guy was Jim Carrey. Well, mm-hmm. th- because the ages are all wrong. Like the, the guy I'm, I'm thinking of, I saw on a TV show last year, but would be the same age. And this is 72. So that doesn't work. But I couldn't place it. And I finally did. Uh, and I still, I still haven't looked up the guy's name, but he's like the main villain in the most recent season of Boardwalk Empire. Like he plays basically like a proto uh, uh, prototype a uh, militant black person, um, like sort of like a proto Black Panther almost of like the nineteen twenties, <laughs> and that is or is Atlantic not City. Roscoe Lee Brown. It's not Roscoe Lee Brown, but they're yeah. very very similar, and I can't think of the. They, all, they all look alike, don't they, Brian? In this, oh, in this scene, I want you to ride. The, saying in this scene, I want you to ride your horse up the forty-five degree hill. Okay, <laughs> craziness. I'm gonna look up the guy's name right now because I should have done yeah, that. Yeah. But um, Roscoe Lee Brown is is he? He, did, he was he was probably a stage actor. He was he did a lot of stage. So that's why he doesn't have a... Oh, uh, here's some real projection, though, I think. This I looks like... Probably. No, I think I it's just dusty. So. Oh, it's just dusty? Yeah. Yeah, it's raining back, <laughs> it's raining back there. Um, it, looks a, it looked a bit processy, but you're probably right. Yeah, no, it's, it's too good to be processed. It's amazing yeah. how, like, the, the, the differential of difficulty between those two things where yeah. you can confuse them for either. Yeah. Is that RP or is that a thousand cows? Is that a thousand? No, it's yeah. a, a thousand cows in the middle of nowhere. No, it's a thousand Is cows. that the one that's, like, trivially easier, the one that's impossibly they, difficult? They, they totally cheated and just did it. They just totally <laughs> cheated and actually shot it. Like, but um, Roscoe Lee Brown had a lot of stage background, so he doesn't have, like, a, a, a unbreak, unbroken filmography. You know, he sort of did movies, but, but didn't, you know... It, it's not surprising that you might not know him. He, I, he was in enough things that I recognized him, although I certainly know him best from this movie. Um, Jeffrey Wright, by the way, is the Jeffrey guy. Wright. Jeffrey Wright is awesome. Oh, Jeffrey Wright. Okay. He's in a bunch it, of stuff. Is it, aren't Roscoe Lee Brown and Jeffrey Wright Jeff, basically yeah, the same is, person? He is definitely the spiritual kind successor of, I can, to, I can see to it, Roscoe yeah. Lee Brown. But what, Jeffrey Wright's in a lot of stuff. Supposedly one, yes, of, things, one of the reasons that you modern people, modern audiences aren't necessarily familiar with Roscoe Lee Brown is he kind of didn't ever want to play 
the black guy character that movies would offer him most of the time. Right. So, you know, all the opportunities he would have had to be that guy in that movie. Oh, I remember that guy. You know, um, he, he would turn those roles down or, you know, didn't want them. He wanted to sort of be above that a little bit. So, so this movie where he's the black guy, but clearly not the stereotypical black guy. Yeah, he's the, the black guy to invert everyone's idea in the movie of what the black guy's supposed to be, black yeah. guy. And, uh, and you, that's good. And you can absolutely see his, his theatrical background because he's coming at this like he's playing Julius Caesar, which is great. My <laughs> you know, father was a brawny moore. I mean, he's a He would walk the parapets. Yeah, he's a fantastic character. And uh, so I just, I've, lo- I've loved him from this movie he's ever King since. King Lear. Yeah, he's doing, <laughs> he's doing King Lear on the Prairie out here, and it's fantastic. So... And he's just he's just great. I've just always had some. Now here's the weird thing is uh, I I tweeted about this the other day uh, just because it's a weird random thing. Um, uh, I have a pepper mill that was once in the same room as Roscoe Lee Brown. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. <laughs> Trey, what was that you were about to say? <laughs> I own a pepper mill that was once in the same room as Roscoe Lee Brown. Do you there's, have provenance? My, do you have provenance I for this? I can, I, there's a witness for it. There's I, like, no, the pepper mill came with a little piece of paper that said... We can get it testified. No, I was, I was there too. I'm just saying that that's the artifact that represents that moment. Um, my Roscoe Lee Brown story is very brief. It's uh, <laughs> just my birthday. I was having birth- my birthday dinner with my girlfriend at the time. It would have been approximately somewhere between the year 2000 and the year 2002. Um, and you got a pepper mill for your birthday. And presumably. she gave me a pepper mill for my birthday that night. And that was in a package on the table. And I opened it up. And we're having dinner at a nice restaurant slash bar in West Hollywood um, or West Valley, one of the two. And, um, you know, just a nice little place and roscoe lee brown walked in and sat at the bar and hung out and had a couple drinks just by himself just chatting with the bartender and i was like this is a love that's roscoe lee brown over there <laughs> no and, you're like going back and forth like this thank is a you pepper so much and of that's course, roscoe yeah, lee brown but just that's roscoe lee brown she of course didn't know who roscoe lee brown was so i'm like it's roscoe it's it's roscoe freaking lee brown meanwhile over at the bar he's just like having a drink and then from over in the restaurant he hears someone go he was in the cowboys yeah, the cowboys <laughs> oh shit he's boxing logan's <laughs> run they've spotted me yeah <laughs> A movie you definitely won't r- recognize him from is he was, he's he's boxed the robot in Logan's Run, huh. one of the stranger roles he played, but not uh, but not stereotypical black guy, not stereotypical black guy for sure, but uh, but uh, yeah, and, and he died like in two thousand five, two thousand eight, so uh-huh. yeah, two thousand seven. So it was it was you know toward the end of his life, he was clearly a, that's an old Roscoe Lee Brown, but it's definitely Roscoe Lee Brown. I'm so. just glad that that story makes sense because the alternative version of this is I was walking around with a pepper mill one day, yeah. Like if or it's a I birthday was an, gift, I, I was at IKEA and right. Roscoe Lee Brown walked right. by, and then I bought this. Pepper it's mill. like so. So I, I, <laughs> it's I was, about like that. It's like so. I was in the same place with Roscoe Lee Brown and a pepper mill. It's like really, what happened? Mm-hmm. Well, I had my pepper mill, and I was at SeaWorld. <laughs> like you do, <laughs> just because you know. the salt shaker had been misbehaving, so it stayed in the car because it <laughs> needed to learn a lesson. That's like one of those things that's at, it's it's after two or four infinities worth of monkeys typewriters yeah. where it's like at one point there'll be a guy in a room with Roscoe Lee Brown and a pepper mill. It's going to happen. <laughs> I, I was curious about this little moment in the movie. Um, so I looked it up and this is not technically anachronistic, but it's close. Uh, Home on the range at the time of this movie would have been about three years old as a song. It would have existed for about three to four years. Yeah, Presumably the kids uh, wouldn't have learned it. Well, th- but it became a quickly, it was an anthem that spread across the prairie and became kind of the, oh, this is the cool song that everyone knows. It was knows. the Gangnam style of the day. Yeah, like Yankee Doodle Dandy would have been earlier <laughs> yeah. than whatever it was. So the, yeah, it went viral. It only took it three did. years it, it, to it, get popular. It's way, you know, it's like if you, again, you get the Montgomery Ward catalog and the sheet music for Home on the Range. That's what came on the train. So, so 
theoretically they could know the song, but only just barely. It's weird how information can travel that way before we end up with like, you know, instantaneous technological communication. When he had old school home on the range fucking communication, there's a style of guitar playing that I forget the name of it, but someone like learned it in wherever the fuck they learned it, some country, came to the United States and like gave a couple guitar lessons and showed one of the people he, he, he teached, he taught, my God, he taught <laughs> that style and played him a little ditty in that style that he had written in that style. And then one of those people went off and became a guitar teacher and taught someone else. And like basically a really thin family tree line of this getting handed down until someone recorded it and put it on a record. And it became like the de facto example of that style of music. Now it's like, oh, like that song. That's the kind of style you're talking about. And it's just this one weird song that a dude wrote that one person learned from him and then one person learned from them and then poof, the entire planet learned. Just it was like worming its way through history for 150 years until it finally ended on an album. I thought that was cool. You never know. And that song, Gangnam Style, was "Come Sail Away." <laughs> <laughs> he's out on the he's out on the range like a gathering of angels <laughs> with a lute. <laughs> sorry, Dennis DeYoung. You had one. You had one thing. I'm sorry. So the cinematographer in this was uh, Robert Surtees, who was a classic cinematographer. I believe also shot The Sting. Uh, again, mm. you know, he's like, talk about a segue. It's like, okay, what, what do you got either before or after this? Because Sting is also 72, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, before, that was a big year for yeah, him. Yeah, I mean, it was before or after this, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm going to be on the Universal backlot, and next thing you know, I'm in the middle of nowhere, or vice versa, one of the two. But um, so yeah, he was a classic cinematographer and his, and his son was also a famous cinematographer, shot many, many well-known movies as well. Uh, a, a cinematography dynasty. Um, so Surtees was old school. So, you know, he's, it's not, not surprising that, you know, these things have this sort of slightly older style look, but uh, mostly natural light. Most of this movie obviously isn't just broad daylight where you just get what you get. And then every so often, like for these little conversation scenes, he can kind of. These guys Get like really, like, yeah, this obvious blue edge going on. Yeah. So if you guys had the opportunity to go on like a, I don't know, two month camp adventure with John Wayne mm. and he's going to teach you how to be a cowboy. Is there anyone among us who would say no? I, I, you'd have to, you know, say that we were right to be in Vietnam. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't get through an average day. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I would. Was that one of his things? Oh no, he was. Well, I guess Green Beret, very pro Vietnam, very pro, very conservative. I, I would absolutely do it in a heartbeat. But I feel like it wouldn't be so much being taught how to be a cowboy as him just yelling at you. Be a cowboy until you figured it out on your <laughs> no, own. No, if you see, he trains you like he trains a dog. You don't yeah. know. It's like you know, be a cowboy, John Wayne. Stop not being a cowboy. Oh God, John Wayne. My my. The closest person in real life that I that I've ever known who's the closest to John Wayne is my grandfather. He was a horse riding, hunting, you know, steeplechasing cowboy kind of dude. You know, he was a rancher. He he had a farm. Um, he was, you know, again, it's it's the very definition of what conservative is is kind of different now. I mean, it, it's it really is kind of insane, and this is true for both sides. How you know this insane polarization we have now, where. You know, John Wayne, he had his politics, but John Wayne would also go on the Dinah Shore show and sit next to, you know, right. freaking Paul Lind and have a fine old time, you know, and, and you know, and shoot the shit. Uh, well, and, well and, no one knew Paul uh, Lind was gay. Yeah. This, this <laughs> gentleman uh, as Roscoe well. Lee Brown. Yeah, Roscoe yeah, Lee Brown. Very, very left 
Yeah, uh, he was very left, and John Wayne was very right. And it oh, was I, thought like you were, I thought you were saying he was gay. No, they, they were. Well, there's that rumor, but no one knows for sure. There was a whole thing about, oh, it's going to be impossible for you guys to work together, and it's like we just didn't bring it up, and it was <laughs> yeah. fine. <laughs> like, yeah, we came to do the movie, yeah. and I uh, knew he yeah. knew, but we didn't make a thing about yeah. it. Yeah. Whereas today, no. It'd be like, yeah, be. I won't have that person near me because thought crime. Yeah, we can't have that. Um, that was the thing I was reading on Twitter is uh, someone said, let's let's find the most, you know, insane extreme reaction to the latest Supreme Court decision. And of course, there are examples on both sides of like, you know, just how douchey people can be about we win and you lose. Uh, and it didn't always actually have to be like that. You're talking about your grandfather? I'm talking about America. I'm talking about, you know, it's like, yeah, conser- oh, you're a conservative. That's interesting. As opposed to, you are an enemy to the state and you must die. And So John Wayne, John Wayne was conservative. He was. He was, he was pro-Vietnam. People disagreed with him about that. And that was it. <laughs> he, he wasn't blackballed from the industry. I was like, it's, you know, it's like, you could, you could actually I, have I, different I would go to John Wayne get along with people. Is what I'm saying. I'd go to John Wayne. Camp. I think so. I, I yeah, think everybody think, would go to John Wayne. I think camp, he would, yes. he would be a tough guy in general, you know, and and so on. But but I, but what I'm saying is, I don't think he's. If again, I I also would see him on a lot of talk shows, and and he seemed like a pretty affable guy, and he worked in the movie business, which is you know a fairly liberal place, even not uh, from day one, and he seemed to have a career there. He did sort of hang out with the people he hung out with, certainly. But I think I think anyone in show business, it's hard to be the conservatives who are in show business are conservative, but they're not conservative like people who are in Louisiana. I don't think just because I don't yeah. think you can. Well, John, not until they John get older Voigt's, and they're like, fuck this. And, and yeah. They yeah John Boyd's really pretty crazy now. Yeah, but he's not. Yeah. But again, that's his beliefs. I, but I that's certain beliefs. But I don't think John Boyd is like, hey, hell with the gays. I, you know, I don't think that's one of his tropes. No. I think he's, you know, politically conservative. But yeah, I think even the, for the people who are really conservative that work in Hollywood. I think the the two aspects of their conservatism that I don't think still play much of a part is anti-Semitism or yeah, homophobia. Because I mean, you just, you, just you, can't. Can't, you can't live here and be anti-Semitic or homophobic. Or you better bury it pretty darn deep. Yeah, and it's just not going to work. Anyone see it. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean... You're going to have to exa- be pretty drunk and very exactly. angry. John Voight will get work again before Mel Gibson will. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and Mel Gibson is okay on almost any level but whoa no you cross that line my friend and he's a staunch catholic mel gibson is conservative uh, in a lot of it in a lot of ways but you know that never stopped him from doing anything now this scene here is like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that this, you know that this scene was like okay uh son bruce is just gonna do some stuff now yeah and whatever <laughs> you feel is good yeah you just roll with it you know, he's, oh, yeah. I wish you told me that part where he was going to run a knife along my neck, yeah. but uh, how'd that look? Oh, it was good. Okay, yeah. <laughs> can yeah. I, can I have my mommy now? Yeah, and the part where he... Oh, where he drowns you yeah, in the Yeah, part river. where he dragged me into the river and tried to drown me. Yeah, actually, I didn't know he was going to do that either, but fortunately, the camera yeah. was able to get it, so uh, it's in there. But, yeah, because the... He's straight savage, this kid, yeah. basically. And, and not to mention, the kid just went, like, he was dunked in water and came back out very, very quickly. He went in with glasses on his face, yeah. came out with glasses in his hand, and I didn't see that shit happen. Yeah, and he... <laughs> but he, he still has the glasses in his hand, but he, which... Yeah. He maintained Good job, the, that kid. Yeah. Like, he, like he, when he was underwater, he had to catch the glasses as they, like, he got pushed off his face. He didn't look at the camera. That was yeah. the one thing he shouldn't, he couldn't have done. He stayed in, uh, but, I mean, he stayed in character, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, to look at the camera, like, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could you call a cut, please? What look the hell? Look at me! <laughs> What is he doing? 
So yeah. But, but I like. I, I but yeah, after after it was like he. Yeah, that kid. He wasn't. He was scared. Yeah, <laughs> he, he was right really so. scared of that scene. Like hell, Bruce Dern could come at me right now, and I'd be like, "Oh God, no, please!" <laughs> so, and again, it's just it's this in a way kind of followed Bruce Dern because it's like he was. I mean, just he's just this terrible, terrible character in a way that even movie villains normally didn't get to be. It's like this guy's just out of control and awful. That happened know? to the guy who played Norman Bates. Uh, he was already established as an actor. And uh, was so, a, people, so people knew. Yeah, people right. say, oh, wow, he really went to a weird place for that one. But he was already had some goodwill built up. It happened or, to Walter Peck from yeah. Ghostbusters. Yeah. That followed him for be, like... He, oh, well, he, he well, played he, the 1980s so hard. Well, he yeah, played he that did. guy like five times. Oh, yeah. So that became like his thing. He became known as that guy. But yeah, Bruce Dern just came out of the gate indelibly as like this guy mixed with the silent running guy. And that was just who he was in everyone's mind. Although he was, you know, he was in Coming Home just a few years later, and I, I think he might have been nominated for an Oscar for that one. I know everyone else in the movie was nominated for an Oscar for that one. And <laughs> that would have been rude. Yeah. And that was a <clears throat> that was a straight, very straight, very straight part. But even there he was playing the damaged Vietnam veteran who was trying to maintain once he got home and couldn't. So even who then was still he, not all there. Yeah, even yeah. then he was like, Oh, he's still that guy. He's still playing the crazy guy. I'm just glad, I mean, in addition to having enjoyed this movie, I'm glad to have seen it just because the premise is a really handy little premise. Like in the same way where you can have a, an elevator pitch that's diehard in a blank or, you know, we're going to do a, this sort of thing. Uh, Cowboys, just as a sort of a premise for older dude or uh, older person is kind of reluctantly training a bunch of younger people and they grow to love each other and understand each other over the course of whatever the story is, just as a premise is a really handy thing that I don't think I've ever mm. seen that movie elsewhere, really. It's been done a couple of times. There have been some examples of, of yeah, the, uh, the... It seems like a story you could tell, though. Yeah. And it's it's that... Like the a, reluctant teacher. That with a frame of of the, you know, the Holy Grail. It's like we are going to go from here to there. And it's all about what happens between here and there. Right. And, and you know, so you've got that to drive the narrative. And then the, the dynamic of the characters is what you watch along the way. Maybe Hook a little bit with the Lost Boys. But not really. It's not the whole movie. It's just a subplot. Where it's like Robin Williams is teaching all these little kids how to do a thing, and they're all teaching him how to be a person, and well, it's John Williams is the, shitting so hard the in dynamic, your eyeballs. The dynamic is fairly common. It's just the 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 age difference being the interesting thing is is not as common. But you know, twelve you, to sixty. You know, it's like any movie, like like the Bad News Bears is this movie. The you know, yeah, um, there you go. Um, the Dirty Dozen is this movie, but they're not kids. The Mighty know. Ducks. The Mighty Ducks. There you go. Mighty it's, Ducks. It's like it's like, yeah. This dynamic has been absorbed by sports movies about yeah. you know the old guy who whips the young team into shape and teaches them to be a team. That that story certainly plays out. So that's, that's here, funny. It's going to be Mighty Ducks is just the Cowboys mixed with night. Karate Kid. Yeah, here's here's where the day for night is like you know well you know what are you going to do but. Uh, it's not too blue, so there's that. Yeah, they didn't go with the, the, the hard blue cast, which often happens. That was a... Uh, by the way, the, the previous scene uh, struck me as an odd beat when, you know, he was, he was mean to the kid and then Mr. Nightlinger gets really weird with the knife and so whoa, hold oh, on. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, Are we going to have a problem here? Yeah. No? Okay, then have some pie. Yeah, yeah, I actually had to rewind it. I'm like, wait, did, <laughs> did I, I miss it? Yeah. I feel like I missed something there because he got <clears throat> really scary for a second. <laughs> Yeah. really fast um, this right well, here feel, is I about like where it, I started feeling the pacing by the way I yeah. feel like that was uh, that's, right here that, that's part of one John of Wayne's turning points arc. is also about yeah. to happen too but uh, yeah I guess in that case what I would do is just move this turning point up 10 pages or so just get there a little bit faster it would have been I think I think there's a case to be made for that I think you could other than the fact that you'd have a continuity problem um, editorially you could have done that um, 
and that's it depends on you know because it's like this is where this is where shit gets real obviously yeah. you know but it already did get real with bruce dern so you could i don't see any reason why it's you a turning point a turning point um <laughs> i don't see any reason why you couldn't swap those beats um in which case the bruce dern thing would be like as if things weren't bad enough just trying to get these cattle across this wilderness we're dying yeah. that way now we've got these lunatics who are also chasing us oh shit and that would be enough like that would be the one two punch for 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 the kid to go i don't want to stand watch i don't want to be part of this anymore i'm losing my shit i just watched my friend get trampled and crazy dudes out there lurking i can't handle it anymore yeah it's a better escalation because it's like oh it's hard enough to stay alive yeah. just on doing the thing itself if he was already and now on, we have these guys who are actually actively if after this us. had already happened and he was already firing on half cylinders yeah and then suddenly you know yeah, bruce Dern go is get gotta, the stray cow yeah. i'm gonna try and maintain and get back on you know oh no and now i gotta deal with this that would be the thing that would really that would be enough reason for him to just completely shut down and go i don't want to talk to anybody and i can't you know i can't handle this anymore the you kid know, uh Ch- charlie we were talking before, you know, what, what the kids will actually do. In he American did, West, beef ground you. He did that. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. He, <laughs> but uh, the, the kid actually did that roll off the horse. Yeah. So. Yeah. Holy <laughs> mackerel. And you can see how they, they shot it carefully, but still he did it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, so the thing, that, the thing that's going to kill my character, you want me to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's how he dies. Yep. So just do that for us, if you would, and action. So, so even as a kid watching this movie, that moment, that cut to, and then he's dead, is very fast. shocking as yeah. hell. Yeah. I think it's shocking now, maybe more so, but it was shocking then. It's kind of like, okay, there's going to be a scene like, you're going to be okay, little fella. We're going to get you fixed. Right. No, he's dead. Yeah. Dead. Just dead, gone. dead, yeah, dead. It's weird. This is like a kind of, I don't know if it's necessarily a trite conversation, but it's one we've had before and it seems like it's an easy one, but it's just funny going back and looking at like what types of movies were popular for a long time in, in these big swatches. But when you pull back enough to see several of them in the lend, in the like line of trends where it's like for a long time, it was like this pioneering. I'm going to go make my homestead sort of movies where they're going to go out into the wilderness, find a place. Battle of nature, shit, 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 shit. Do their whole thing. Westerns, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then you have a whole bunch of like making money, doing my shit. I'm on the top of the world kind of movies where basically just mirroring the 80s for the most part and some of the 90s. And then like now it's like all these we've totally ruined the planet movies. We're going to die now movies. Oh my God, we're alone and everything's falling apart movies. It's just funny how it follows this perfect trend from we're going to go find a place and do a thing. We're doing a thing. Oh, shit. We did did a thing way too hard. We should not have done that thing. (laughs) (laughs) Now the trick is to tell all of those stories in one grand Yeah, that's like a trilogy. Yeah. (laughs) No, by by itself, it's just the Wolf of Wall Street. The American movie zeitgeist (laughs) in three steps. (laughs) We're going to go do a thing. We're going to do the thing. We're doing a thing. We should not have done that thing. That's the American character. So far, we don't know what the next step is. But uh, actually, historically, the next step is we're sorry we did the thing. <laughs> ah, that's yeah. where that's where Germany's at right now. Yeah. Like, yes, okay, we won't do that again. God, what would we're sorry we did the thing movies kind of look like? Where it's sort of like a where it's like a, like given a philosophical that, where apology. It's a given that America led the world into a global into a, yeah, warming yeah, yeah, nightmare. Yeah. yeah, like that would be the one I think that'll be that. That's the that's the that's the genre for the next twenty years. I'm trying to figure out what what a movie like that would would be, like what the story like the broad strokes what happens in the movie would be. Because I agree that that's totally where this is going. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out like the shape of that. 
Here's a, this is also a weird little interlude that doesn't Unless seem, it's just a movie of people like going around doesn't and doesn't seem to connect to anything other than to say, well, it's pretty fucking nasty out here sometimes. Um, and it's interesting that as a Western, this movie even says, yeah, you know, Indian Massacre wiped out the 7th Cavalry, but, the, but Native Americans are in no way a threat or even an issue in this, in this movie. They, don't, they yeah. don't enter into the story in any form. Uh, they're just mentioned but uh, you know, as opposed to like, okay, oh, it feels like this is like a setup, like, oh god, now they're gonna get attacked by wild engines or something like that. But the movie never goes there. Yeah, it re- it's really just an excuse to get him away long enough that they can talk to the prostitutes. Yeah, and That's tell it. us what year it I is. I love that. Sentence. And tell us what year it is, because it's the only thing, the only way they tell us what year this is. That tells us that this Do is. Do they say that? I don't even remember from the scene. Well, they well, it's it's well, it's the it's the it's the Custer massacre. So so the Custer oh, okay. massacre yeah, happened yeah. in. 1876, um, and so this means that we're about 1878 or so, because it's a you know presumably a, a couple of years after the after that massacre. So, so yeah, less than a hundred years from this, we would be on the moon. Yeah, weird. The reason it, it, <laughs> it, it, it's so yeah. weird. Interesting thing the 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 reason that the the battle of uh, the battle of uh, um, ah, what the hell, uh, Little Bighorn. Um, the reason Little Bighorn is so indelibly, not to mention the fact that it is kind of like a 9-11-y kind of thing. Like, like, what? <laughs> what happened? But the fact that... Uh, just, just a fun fact, I was just looking it up. Just because I was like, okay, well, that tells us what year this is. What year was that? Um, the reason that the Battle of, uh, of Little Bighorn is so memorable is because it happened in late June 1876, which means news got to Washington, D.C. pretty much on the 4th of July, 1876, America's centennial. Wow. So that we, cool. uh, that became the big story and kind of put a bit of a damper on our centennial yeah. celebrations that uh, was like, oh, you know, freaking Indians massacred, you know, our best and brightest out there in the wilderness. Well, <laughs> we're going to have to deal with that. So, so that it, it was a 9-11-y kind of thing for its day. Never forget. Yeah, we're going to teach those folks a lesson. You betcha, as soon as this party's over, we are going to get some payback. So that's one of the reasons, because of just where it happened to fall in our national, you know, yay, America, what? What happened? I've just been handed a bulletin. Which will be in no way ironic, I'm sure. So that's just one of the interesting sort of quirks of why that's a particular, you know, sticking point in America. Is this like a traveling, like, yeah, like... It's, it's like it's a good a, old days, man. Like, yeah. like a midsummer's night dream. Like yeah. just the players on a, in a, just you know the prostitutes in the in the just, old, in the old days. You could you know ride out in the prairie, and if you could find the right wagon, you could sleep with George C. Scott's wife. It's occasionally <laughs> it's occasionally the same thing. It's like just like throwing this like doing the circus or something. Like yeah. hey, the whores are in town. I, exactly, the whores yeah. are in town, guys. So yeah, that by the way, that is that is Colleen Dewhurst. A, a you know, this it's the way of like we got to get somebody, a, some woman, an Oscar nomination for this movie if we can. Um, and again, this whole scene comes out of nowhere and doesn't really go anywhere other than to talk a little bit about the again, as we said, the man boy thing. But and have you know, everyone gets a, gets a funny moment. But um, but uh, yeah, that's Colleen Dewhurst, a respected actress, wife of uh, George C. Scott, um, and uh, just. Showing up in the movie for some reason, like good for you, good for you, Colleen. And uh, I was reading. I mean, some people's, you know, oh, this movie is pro pro Vietnam. Their issue with it was, oh, okay, so these kids are they're old enough and they're mature enough and they're man enough to go off and shoot other men and kill other men, but they're not mature enough to have sex because they don't actually have sex. They ride off. Yeah, and they don't. Not, 
the whore, the if prostitutes don't play. Another ten years, they probably would have stayed over. In the yeah, yard. yeah, that would have happened. But that, yeah, that was the you know that was the critique of American conservatism by the people who thought this movie was advocating was okay. So it's okay for our young men to go off and shoot and die and kill and and be maimed. But they can't have. Sex. But they can't have sex. No, no, no. Again, well, yeah, that's that's correct. Which is which but then is, the flip side. Nowadays, you know, people would you know go like, oh, yeah, just using women is chattel and blah blah blah. blah. You know, so see, you can't win. You know, the, the yeah, best, the, I, I was the, being sarcastic. If you want a future proof of your movie, just nobody should ever have sex for any reason. But well, but it is a, it is a <laughs> just aspect don't ever go there of of America. You know, it's still like some of those Puritan streaks within our culture that our movies in yeah. you know our censorship laws. Like, yeah, you can blow up fucking everything in the world, sure. but you can't show a nipple. You, yep. That said, we do love us some traveling whores. We do. <laughs> well, a that's, cavalcade. That's, well, that's the hypocrisy of America. Is it's not like whores don't exist. Yeah. We no. just don't like talking about them. So, you know. And they're all, all in one wagon. Caravan. They all, yeah, they all fit in one wagon. It's great. It's, it's not called a chuck wagon, but it's a similar concept. A Charlene wagon. And the, <laughs> and the crate is not full of guns, but, you know, you get the idea. So, yeah, I so. see what you did. So, uh, so yeah, so Rascal Lee Brown gets this little moment here where I love, I do like the line, like I have the, I have the wherewithal and the, and and the, the money, money and everything, but I just don't have the time. time. <laughs> Otherwise I would totally, oh yeah, it would be so on, it would be happening because look at me, come on. Who can resist? <laughs> I do, I, there is also the aspect about the scene, I mean, I guess it's, uh, you know, talking about boys and men, but even, even now that they're gone. Um, there's this aspect of there. There's the aspect in these scenes of the grown-ups watching out for them. I mean, you know, they've they've got these these two it's characters true, I, being like father and mother, being like, yeah, yeah, yeah they should probably yeah. do their own I thing. I will say and, that yeah. it, there's it mostly it comes from Roscoe Lee Brown. Um, he's got two lines in this movie that have been my go, two of my go-to lines to this day. One is, "Well, if it ain't true." It, it ought, ought to be. be. Yeah. I've used that one a lot. And the other one that's stuck in my head, I don't get to like use it in real life that often, but I thought that, you know, and I was, again, I'm 13 years old, 14 years old. It's not like I have experience with women myself. So this movie is kind of like showing me like, okay, well, that's an interesting way of going. So that's kind of what it's Trey's about. Trey's watching with taking notes like Yeah, that, exactly. That was but, fly. But and I tell you, you know, the, the note that stuck with me is like, it really should happen in the back of a buggy with a girl they think they're in love with, which yeah. planted just enough of a cynical <laughs> bit of me <laughs> where it didn't like, it didn't prevent me from thinking I was in love with a series of girls that I totally wasn't in love with, but I felt like I was. But that, that voice was always in my head. Like this is way <laughs> you, this isn't it yet. You think it is, but that's cause you're an idiot. <laughs> Roscoe Lee Brown is like my little Yoda on my shoulder going, this is not, you're not there yet. You think you're in love with this one, but you don't even know what you're talking about yet. Wasn't it the? Wasn't it? Think her of all the trucks full of cows, just from location to location. They're just bringing four hundred cows to, to probably, every location. That'd be too many trucks. I think they're just you know the cows walked. Yeah, <laughs> the, the actors may have ridden around in some trucks, but so I, I think sorry, the, Mike. Go ahead. I think the cows walked from place to place Jesus on this movie. Christ. No, I was saying that I think the line about a uh, girl they think they're in love with wasn't that the wasn't that her? That's right. You're right. It's, yeah. it's her line. That's it's yeah. from that scene. You're right. Although I remember when we were, I was doing research for Temple of Doom when we did that one. That's how they got the, that, obviously, when you think about it, that's how they had to do it. But that's how they got the elephants from place to place. Is the, yeah. It's like the whole company would move and the elephants would get there three days later because they walked over those mountains yeah. because they forgot to bring their elephant truck. We'll shoot around the elephants for now. They're, they're Huey? Like, what are you, yeah. you going to do? There's some pretty scenery. Look at that. Downtown. That looks like the Sierras. Mm. 
How can you tell? It's just a really specific sort Sierras of mix. Very, it's yeah, a very it's specific mix of what the, what the mountains look like with what the trees look like. Mm. I think you're making that up. <laughs> it all mountains all look the same. I'm going to check the yeah, but I know what those mountains look like. They don't look like that. I'm going to check the shooting locations because I want to see if it's in the Sierra. Yeah, that'd be awesome. You guys talk about gas prices. It's kind of interesting how this turning point here when, you know, again, this is where John Wayne is being the John Wayne guy where it's like, yep, there's some rustlers that are going to try and take us. Here's what we're going to do. You know, he did, he did, there's he did, a, a moment of like, what? What the fuck? He's like, oh, yeah, I've seen him. Yeah, here's how, here's how we're going to handle that. Yeah. I did feel a bit cheated when I finished this movie and he had never once called anyone Pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those tropes that never may have never happened or may have happened like in Pilgrim. One, one movie. Bay me just, up, Pilgrim. Just became the, the basis nope. for the, the stock John Wayne impression. Oh, uh, you know. So was, uh, obviously John Wayne was conservative. Was he politically active in the way like Charlton Heston was head of the NRA or yeah, he was, anything you know, like that? I don't think he was, maybe not as much as Heston. I don't remember him being that. But, you know, like, he would go on the talk shows and talk about, you know. How awesome Reagan was? Or ha- well, Nick. Reagan was, I don't know if he, Reagan was at the very end of his life, if at all. I'm talking about, he's talking about how often, you know. Nixon or Goldwater yeah, was. Yeah, Nixon, you know, Nixon's, Nixon's our man. But, um, but just in general, just, you know, it certainly was outspoken about the Vietnam War. That was, that was certainly, I remember him being, doing that. What was his argument for being pro-Vietnam? Like, I well, just, you get, we have to stop communism. I mean, duh. Oh, uh, yeah. I guess that was the reason, wasn't it? <laughs> that, was, that was the reason for the war. Yeah. <laughs> They don't have no oil. Terrorism, Brian. <laughs> yeah, I just I. It's it's so funny. Just I I have trouble even remembering what like, what the stated purpose. Like I forget about WMDs at this point. Like yeah, the fact that yeah oh yeah that was the actual initial claim. It was we just ra- randomly we have these wars. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. It's like yeah. I don't know. I don't like his face. Yeah, well the real the real reason is we just got to get our war. One day we just scratched. put everybody on a boat and went to France. It was just a thing you do. I mean, we were bored and we just you know just went. Fortunately, there everybody was a, else was there. Fortunately, so. there was a war already happening when we got there. <laughs> yeah, Brian, and we just jumped in on that one. You, well, no, the wars that were actually worth fighting for. I remember those. No, fine. but you're moved by but the. the you're but mo- no, what I'm saying is the bullshit reasons we say we fight the bullshit wars that we fought the last. Four or five decades or so. They're the same as the bullshit reasons we go to the moon. It's like, because yeah. it's there. Yeah. We're going to go over there and have war because we can. Let's well, do this. Yeah, there no, is an argument. No, no, no. Totally. The new reason, horizons. The reason we went to the moon was totally a bullshit reason. It was like, oh, well, we got to beat the Russians at something. Well, sure. But the difference is going to the moon is awesome and dying in Vietnam is not awesome. That's the key difference. So you difference. say. Key difference. There is there. an argument to be made that we were successful in the sense that we did make the communist forces throw a lot of guns and treasure into a little shithole of a useless country that they would have otherwise maybe taken Europe with again or something like that. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to say in the, in the grand scheme. It's a, you know, we're a century away from really knowing what that did or didn't accomplish, regardless of whether Vietnam itself became a communist nation afterward, which it did, but then communism itself dropped dead of exhaustion <laughs> 10 years later. So, so there is an argument to be made, and people have made the argument that we just kept, you know, nipping at their heels every time they tried to expand, and they until the system ate itself and fell apart. Which reminds me rather of the moon. <laughs> yes, <laughs> just like the moon. So here comes, yeah, Bruce is a 
Hi, I'm Bruce Dern. I'll be... I'll be your psychopath for the evening. I'll be driving the movie for the next five minutes. (laughs) You won't be able to take your eyes off me. You don't have to. It's going to be pretty wild. Hi, I'm Bruce Dern. I'll be scary. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm going to be a coiled spring, and uh, you're just going to be waiting for me to explode. Here we go. It's so weird because I didn't realize... Like, I watched this whole movie. I remember seeing that Bruce Dern was in it. But then I like I forgot that that was a thing that was happening. So I finished the movie. I'm watching the credits. It's like, holy shit, that was Bruce Dern. Because mm-hmm. all I know Bruce Dern from is Nebraska. And it's like, he's the old guy who did stuff before, but I didn't know what it was. I finished this movie, and then I was like, oh shit, that was Bruce Dern. Yeah, now I get it. And now I'm watching it for the first time knowing it's Bruce Dern. And it's weird how I didn't notice it the first time. Because he looks, the, aside from having white hair now, he looks the same. Yeah. I figured he'd look different somehow. Like he'd look like Robert Downey Jr. or something. Who, who, who is the mother of Laura Dern? Because I, I feel like Laura it's, Dern and it's Bruce another, Dern. It's another. I'm, I'm, bl- yeah, I'm blanking I'm, on the I'm, actor, I'm but it's a, it's a well-known actress who is also very well regarded. But, they but, all, I, they but all, I feel like Laura Dern does not look like Bruce Dern. No, no, no. She, she like must take mom. after her mom. Yeah, it's a whole big clan of people. As soon as, as, soon as you say it, I'm going to go. Oh, yeah, because of course I. Well, she was just on. I've been listening to Mark Maron's podcast recently. She was on. Recently, Laura Dern, I mean to say. So she's talking about... I just uh, saw her in The Fault in Our Stars. She was good. Uh, she's talking about, you know, growing up on, on film sets and yeah. in this kind of generation of... 72? Uh, she was probably, you know, she was around by then, I would imagine. 67. 67. She was yeah. born in 67. So yeah, yeah. So this, this guy's got a five-year-old daughter at home. Or Diane Ladd. Diane Ladd. There you go. Um, five-year-old daughter at home or just off camera. <laughs> oh, yeah. Daddy's got to go to work now, sweetheart. You sit here. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be scared. I'm, I'm just playing. She, she does talk about that on Mark Maron's podcast of like, yeah, so, sometimes I would just go and, and, you know, dad would be shooting something. And I don't know if she it was she was mentioning cowboy specifically, but like, yeah, they would be shooting something in the middle of nowhere somewhere. And I would just go out and be hanging out there. That does sound like she's talking about this movie. Yeah. The middle of nowhere part in particular. Well, Bruce yeah, Dern but I don't remember if it was. Yeah, I don't know how many Westerns Mom, Bruce yeah. Dern did. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so so yeah, this this is an amazing scene where Dern totally drives this scene, which is which is also kind of odd that you know that that Wayne just is reacting. That's all his character gets to do, and not much really. Yeah, well, he was never big on you know big on reaction. He he was he was Mister you know Mister. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it all by not moving. But, if uh, austerity had a face, yeah, that's <laughs> definitely John Wayne. But then here, but you know, I think we were talking this this scene gives you what you expect in that it's not like, you know, and, and the reason why John Wayne would probably agree to do this kind of story is that, yeah, I am going to beat the crap out of this guy legitimately. That's going to happen. And then he's just going to be, prove himself to be the lesser man by then shooting me to death, um, or, or not even to death, but shooting me in the back. Like a dick. Yeah. Um, so, so it gets that, uh, you know, that, that Bruce Dern only wins by totally breaking the rules of you know how men are supposed to to handle each other and basically like the way will has it set up is he's will is proving his point by dying like it's not just that he's getting shot it's that he's like i'm going to win this argument by pointing out how much of a giant douche you are (laughs) you coward piece of shit that i am going to keep dying until i am dead (laughs) to prove the point that you suck yeah that's how much i'm committed to this Every time you shoot me, man, I'm just like, yeah, oh, that hurt. But yes, I'm winning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every time you I'm shoot not, me, I win a little bit I'm not bit even going to look at you. I I'm shall just, become more powerful yeah. than you can possibly imagine. I'm just going to keep walking. Oh, you duke. Oh, man. Oh, the elbow, too? Jeez. 
It's just like, are you trying to kill me slowly? Or are you just a bad shot? What is going on <laughs> oh, right now? That's interesting. In the chat, Jeremy Whitman says, has there been an argument yet about whether or not John Wayne is overrated? I can't speak to this because yeah. I haven't seen much John Wayne. Yeah. Um, I liked him in this movie. So if he was doing something along the lines of this in all the movies, I'm not exactly sure how you get to 70 different films. But yeah. maybe that's just he was a popular dude. It was a popular genre. He was the guy they wanted for that genre. Hence 70 films. I think I would get tired of it long before 70 yeah. films of this. But yeah, overrated. I mean, I, it depends. I'm not sure what that, how to interpret that. I, I think John Wayne is, as we said earlier, the John Wayneiest actor who ever lived. So it's like if you, when you want that guy in your movie, there he is. There is nobody else who can, who can do that kind of stuff. Eastwood has his variation on it, yeah. but it's not the same. Now I'm trying to think of who would be a, like a, if we, yeah, if, like, if we were to have a John Wayne right now, who's our modern archetype? Who you know? could be that? I'm yeah. trying to figure out who's our Jack. We who have, could we be have that. We have like a lot of pretenders. You know, like we have like we have like yeah. Schwarzenegger, but Schwarzenegger's always got a little bit of a wink and a nod. Plus, yeah, going plus on. it's a different thing. He's you know, there's always Christopher a bit Walken of, is the guy that's the guy. It's like Christopher Walken is Christopher Walken. You want him? Samuel Jackson. Oh, I Sam Jackson. Sam Jackson. Yeah, you're talking about the guy who Sam Jackson. Sam guy? Jackson has reached the point of being overrated. Now he is just you know, I'll show up and do my Sam Jackson, and then I'm gonna go golfing. I mean, you know, he's totally he's well into the. I'm totally in it for the money, and we all know it. Phase. Yeah. Um, Nicholas Cage. Yeah. No, he's varied. I mean, yeah, he's he weird, actually, but he's, he's varied. He's, he's method. He'll do yeah. all kinds of different characters. I mean, it's like it's a guy that <laughs> Jeremy Whitney. I consider him kind of a proto Shatner. Yeah, there you go. Shatner. Vin Diesel. That's not bad. Vin Diesel. Yeah, I can see Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Okay. But 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 the crucial he's, part he's of this. In that zone. But the he's crucial sure. part of this isn't just they keep being themselves. It's they keep being themselves, and Hollywood keeps throwing dozens and dozens of new movies at them. Yeah. That's the thing that I'm trying to cue in on. I think I think Stallone was that for a while. Stallone ah, was yeah. the closest we had. Um, periodically, he would branch out, and I'm going to act in this one as opposed to just do the do the usual thing. Yeah, because uh, like he was always like, basically being saddled with Rocky. Yeah, and they felt oh, it was all Stallone as Rocky, and he <laughs> so you got muscles, all, and you're going to fight. Guys. And, and, and he mean, got the weird, <laughs> he got the weird Stallone lisp thing, yeah. and his thing. He he famously he has that joke in that that Universal video that Trey Parker and Matt Stone made. Yeah. Where he's like, you know that the Rocky thing is an act, right? Like, that's not who I actually am. Right. Yo, studio and yo. Yeah. No, I mean, like, if Carrot Top's movie had worked and we just kept doing Carrot Top movies for, like, 30 (laughs) years. Like, there was a new one every other year. You could set your watch by it. He's no John Wayne, but Adam Sandler is kind of uh, riding that rocket right now. That's sort of in the pocket of what I'm talking about. That's closer. Austin Powers, maybe, but actually, uh, yeah, Mike Myers. No, but Myers he was more. But he was more like Myers yeah. plays whatever. He Myers. was cast all the time, but he was cast to play different characters. Yeah. Sandler's not bad. Sandler's pretty close in, in terms of a person who just yeah, kind of just yeah. Has, we're we're hiring, we want settled to, into this is what I do. I'm this guy. Adam Sandler will be Adam Sandler in. There's yeah. also there's also the fact that that the um the system is very different now. Before it was, you know, before you'd make a movie for. Yeah, half a million, a million, and just okay. We're making this one this week. You go finish that, John. You're still here, yeah. so uh, we'll make another one with you next week, and we'll just yeah. roll, 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 yeah. roll. Whereas now they put, you know, in, they, yeah. instead of making 150 movies, they make one movie for 150 million. Yeah, you know, and yeah. so it's, De- it's definitely the trend of studio filmmaking yeah. over time is much fewer eggs and much more, you know yeah much fewer baskets as, as, as well we were, as we were just saying it's like this is in 72 so the cinematographer walked you know the <laughs> other the next day he was shooting the sting and meanwhile you know john wayne went on to do this and bruce dern was doing silent running on the weekends and you know it's like there's these these are completely stacked up in terms of happening all the time that was also i i really like 
you know, from a from a from a fight standpoint, I love that fight because it's so inelegant and just a brawl and just like you know, it's just, it's, there's no prettiness to the 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 fist fight that they just had at all. Ooh, shot in the elbow sucks. That's yeah. that that just stings. Like that's not a thing you. That's not a thing that heals. It's just you don't have an elbow anymore. <laughs> like your elbow is just destroyed by that. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like yeah, it's like you know, it's like getting shot in the knee. It's, and also the fact that they're in the middle of nowhere and he's got two bullets in him. He's, he's effectively dead already. I yeah. mean, there's chances are he's not going to survive now. And he hasn't even had the, you know, the final, the final coup de grace. But, but the, uh, you know, this is just, I mean, this is where you're, you're watching the movie going, where's this going? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I, I'm totally lost now. I mean, okay, so you guys, even knowing just the legend of John Wayne without any personal experience of John and Wayne. And caricatures. At this point, did you kind of go, wait, what the, f- what, what yeah, is happening yeah, right absolutely. now? I, w- I was thrown off. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention closely enough, but they, they have before this scene, he's saying, oh yeah, we, like you were saying, we, we got the, the rustlers. Yeah, he's got a plan. Here we yeah, go. Yeah, we got the rustlers. Okay, we're going to do this. And then he sends the kids off to, to go pick up, um, um, uh, Roscoe Lee Brown. Yeah. Uh, and I, I assume that, Okay, so that's he's that's gonna have the kid to like the next yeah, sequences, yeah. Is them gonna like flank around or something? And then and it's him working with the kids, and that's how they're gonna come of age. Yeah. And instead, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and then Bruce, well, what really what first started throwing me for a loop was when Bruce Stern goes, "Oh, the kid you sent back, yeah, this this one right <laughs> yeah. here, right?" Ah. Like, oh, wait, what? Uh, so uh, well, how yeah. what, how are they gonna get out of this pickle? Yeah, they're uh, not. And then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then obviously the rest of the scene flows from that, and that's yeah, yeah that was was like. Wait, wait, wait a second, wait a second. <laughs> what are you doing, movie? <laughs> I don't understand. What's happening right now? Roscoe Lee Brown. Box. Oh, box. If you haven't seen Logan's Run, which you probably haven't, that's a... It wasn't until the end of the movie, by the way, movie, that I, I realized the, the significance of the horse behind the, the wagon. Oh. Wait a second. Wait a second. At the end horse. of the movie, I thought the horse behind the wagon was Will's horse. No, it's the kid's horse. No, it's the kid's horse. The kid was the kid was riding in the wagon. At the end of the movie, it is Will's horse because the kid's back on his horse. Ah, uh, <laughs> this is a shell game, and fuck you all. <laughs> yeah, the empty, the riderless horse. Yeah. Oh, in the chat Very room, similar. back on our previous topic about people who play the same thing all the time. Fireproof floats. Jason Siegel. No, he's no, Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. Yeah, Jason Siegel is playing the same douchebag over and over again. But yeah, the, but he, both work. He's Steven no John Seagal. Wayne. Yeah, but Steven Seagal is. Yeah, Steven Seagal is not John Wayne. He is not ever. He was going for it. That's what he wanted, but he never achieved a John Wayne thing. John's waning. As far as being, John's waning. As far as being the same guy over and over, yes, I, that is correct. And yeah, as point out, Vin Diesel has broken out and done like I'm going to do a comedy, which you know, is, find me guilty. Yeah, pacifier. Was he the one in the tooth fairy? The tooth fairy one? No, that was uh, Dwayne the, Johnson. That was the Rock. Yeah. Who, by the Don't way, don't you dare rock. say Dwayne Johnson. He, well, he started calling himself He's Dwayne back Johnson. To I know he did, but he doesn't get to. Cho- he doesn't get to choose no. what we call him. He's not John Cougar Mellencamp. <laughs> and by the way, you fucking sheeple, we don't have to call him Bono <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or kinda, Sting. We kind of do. So uh, I it, like I like the Rock. He's. I think I. I, think I, I like. Really oh, I like him as a as a guy and as an actor. I have no I have no interest in professional wrestling. So you know, was oh, famous wrestler is going to be a movie star. Awesome, but I really do enjoy him. Yeah, because he he well, he's charismatic as fuck. Yeah, he's charismatic, and he tends to again sort of sort of what appealed to but, me when, uh, d- discovering John Wayne. He tends to play against type. Yeah. He tends to deliberately go, okay, yeah, I'm he, the big guy, so I'm going to be the like... The Rock has got more range than, than Wayne. Yeah. Can, yeah. You know. And he, he just seems like one of those like one of those guys who's just the most epically nice guy. Oh yeah. In real life. Yeah. yeah. 
but like his his role but in very pain conservative and, and very racist. His <laughs> his role in pain and gain was fantastic because he's like he's he's the biggest guy. He's huge, and so it's it's like of course he's the big baby. He's the gentle one with like the the fragile emotions yeah. and stuff like that. It's it's perfect. Now this is a nice little speech in El Rasco. Well done. I was blown away by the turn right after this scene yeah i know this is where you go wait now i really like don't know what's i happening. i literally sat up and said what the what yeah and this because is, i thought they were gonna fucking lynch him i thought that's what, yeah like well, that's, all the kids have turned on him been they're here gonna, they're gonna yeah. like eat him now or something yeah. like well, what are they doing I, ah and I, that's i know, did not think they were gonna lynch him that's but it's it's they definitely get the guns he, they tie him up get the gun I'm like, he they're gonna kill him thinks that yeah but the I, I, yeah, the, I and again, it, picture you know, fourteen-year-old Trey watching it for the first time, going, going, and then the fact that you know they're all start breaking out their guns. I was like, oh, this is gonna be so awesome. <laughs> Although he, you know, Brown might be right, and it's like, no, you guys are totally gonna eat it. You guys are not. You can't do this. You have no idea what you're doing. But uh, it's a, it's such a great turning point, and it's like the whole movie has been building to this, you know, and I, I, I think it qualifies as surprising but inevitable. Clearly surprising. Oh, yeah. In terms of the way they started, anyway. Um, but then inevitable where you go, yeah, that's what this movie had to be about, ultimately. What else? Otherwise, why would they be telling it to us? This is so fucking freaky. Yeah. I do love that it's a, it's a very nice touch that the camera's actually on him when... Cimarron says now and like the triggers it. Yeah, he's like, like, and you can see his face. He's like, yeah. the hell? The yeah. Fuck? Yeah. He's like, oh, you sons of bitches. I just, wow. I didn't think you guys. I thought we were friends and stuff. Oh, the guns on the mantle. Nothing yeah. better than a bunch of prepubescent boys and mob mentality and box of guns. Yeah. <laughs> it don't get no better. And lack of law. This, this will this, only go well. Yeah. This story, I, I think, I think westerns are going to be very popular once they rebuild um, Afghanistan and Syria because that's 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 what's happening in those countries right now. Is you know, oh, so everyone can pick up a gun and shoot pretty much anybody, and it's all part of what we do here now. So they've got that. You know, P.J. O'Rourke talked about uh, he was talking about Iraq or wherever he was going at the time years ago, where you know that the, the checkpoints are all manned by teenagers. Yeah, you know, with, with guns with, as tall as they are, and uh, you know, it's like this has got to be. You know, it's like. This has got to be any kid's dream come true. You get to like walk around your neighborhood with a gun and impress all the girls. And he says, any any country where the teenage boys' dreams are literally coming true is a country it's time to get the hell out of. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good line. So, so it's like you do not want to be in a place where teenage boys' dreams are coming true. So, so that's you know that was the West. That was the American West, though. No, no shit, because there's fucking caravans of whores. Yeah. Caravans of whores and everyone's got guns. What, what does a 13-year-old boy by himself in the fucking fields want more than like, hey, a wagon full of supplies and ladies? <laughs> I know. How co- how convenient. That's the American dream. How thoughtful of you, universe. And we've lost it. We've lost the American dream that we once had. <laughs> yeah. Back in my day. Yeah. In my day, whores roamed the plains from, they would cover the plains to the horizon, <laughs> and you could just shoot them from your train window. Trey, they say the that great when, American Trey, whore. They say that when the pilgrims first arrived in this great nation of ours, a squirrel <laughs> could jump on a whore in Maine and, <laughs> and just jump on whores all the way to California. And not touch. Never to, touch the ground. Not touch the ground until they got to the Mississippi River. That is absolutely. Just from, just bouncing from great. shoulder to shoulder. We've all seen the pictures of the stacks of horse skulls. Yeah. piled up and we almost we almost hunted them to extinction in, we did. in about 1914 we did but finally some good samaritans stepped in <laughs> thank god for teddy roosevelt all the whores today are descended from six whores yeah did you know that yeah, <laughs> if, yeah if it weren't if it weren't for the uh uh endangered animals act we uh 
So, so the whole, uh, so the whole thing of like I treating women wait. as chattel. Um, I can't wait for this Slate article on the Salon article on what we just. Yeah, three right. seconds. Oh, bear of, mind, oh, bear mind. The joke here is that this movie has that, and it's the 1800s. Yeah. It's yeah. not like. Sorry. <laughs> I do. I like that little scene where where the kid just rides up on the dude. Yeah. And they're both like, hi. Yeah. <laughs> and and <laughs> says Joker like, that's it. Hi. I, th- I think the missing piece is is he should have said you no good dirty son of a bitch. Uh, yeah. The point that the the point implied is he can say dung heap and not stutter. You know. Thank you, Will Anderson, for all the good work you did. But uh, <laughs> so he just know. took away his, ter- uh, his stutter could, and gave him Tourette's. Or you could make an even bigger version of it where the kid like the guy's looking at him and the kid's going. And the guy's like, what the hell is happening right and now? Then the and then the kid finally goes, you know, good, dirty son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> I can do that one. That's yeah. what I can do. That's my, that's my, that's my trigger that I can, that I use to break the stutter. You know, good, dirty son of a bitch. Your shoe's untied. <laughs> <laughs> I was so enamored with this sequence, by the way, where, you know, they don't tell you what the plan is. They're just like, all right, we're going to do the plan. Cool. And as soon Fade as you through, and, you, and, you and when you see what the plan it. is, you're like, that's genius. Yeah. That's really clever. You Pick mean. them off one by one. They're a million miles away from each other. They don't know. Just yeah. take, take, yeah. take, take their hat. They won't know if you're, um, yeah. you're a half a mile away. Hat yeah, the, the, the whole like disguising themselves in slightly different shades of brown from what they are normally wearing yeah. is, is brilliant. There's a lot of shades of brown. There's just, just shy oh, yeah. of 50. This one's just bad. Had, that was a pretty hard one. First one they got away with, oh, he broke his neck and died himself. But this was like, no, no, we are, we are killing these dudes. Well, what, what's crazy, That's though, happening. what's crazy is I didn't expect them to kill these guys because I figured they were like above that because movie or something. But no, they stab that no, dude no. like in the chest. He wheezes out and falls. I'm like, holy shit. If they yeah. just did that to lackey number 17, they're going to tear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're going to tear Bruce Dern into shreds. This is going to be. And they do. Yeah, but then he doesn't like they don't. I figured they were gonna like kill him hard on screen. They just like eh, killing's too easy for him. Let's no. rip your leg in half and then have the horse drag you by the leg. Ow! 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 ow. Yeah, this, this just guy was like, me. "What? Just, I'll just just use your words." <laughs> <laughs> Always with the rope, the cow. Yeah. Use your words. Yeah, you know I studied. Well, cows here. Shit. I can take direction. I'm union. I studied with Sanford Meisner. Yeah. Just tell me what you want. I'll find. I'll find my way there eventually. That cow goes on Jimmy Kimmel. This and he's one, like, this no, kid, we had a lot this of kid fun. who bails off the horse, yeah. like, whoa, he bails right back off. This horse is Oof. gonna kill me. And then they beat that guy to death. Yeah, this guy will crush his skull, and we'll go from there. Once you've done your first one, you know, then it's pretty much smooth sailing from huh. there on. In the chat room, there's a uh, Battle of Endor joke to be had somewhere in here. No, I was. That's the thing. Later, I was like, "Fucking the Ewoks are winning!" <laughs> yeah. When they really? all jump out, of, when they jump out of the tree, yeah. and they all jump out of the tree onto the guy, I'm like, "Yeah, it's just Ewok shit." Now we're doing Ewoks. Is what we're doing. Uh, Bruce Dern. <laughs> you were about to say something else. Just Doxub in the chat is asking if we have talked about how John Wayne was a proud white supremacist. Uh, I didn't know that. I'm, I'm not aware of that, that being the case. So, uh, so I yes, we did actually. It. We covered that yeah. earlier. We were just so, speculating at the time. Thank God. On the level of Gary Oldman, perhaps, uh, <laughs> or uh, you know, wouldn't Look, su- wouldn't surprise me if he was. Although, well, I don't know. Wayne was a Californian from day one. He he went. You know, he and I went to the same college, not at the same time, but uh, Wayne went to the University of Southern California. Um, was he white well, that was before they that was before they had invented black people though. That's true. We didn't have any black people there. Didn't have a lot when I was there, for that matter. Now it's all gone to hell. What, <laughs> dude? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
It's like USC is in. Yeah, it's, it's in Compton. It's, it's this island yeah. of rich white kids yeah, in, in the middle of, of, of yeah. The, it's right there. South Central. Yeah, not best. No, everybody knew not to go like one block south of campus because forget yeah. it. But yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. So when uh, the shuttle Endeavor flew in, you know, they it flew into LAX obviously, but then they had to move it from LAX to the oh, right. to the science museum. And the shortest distance took them right straight through South Basically, Central. yeah, the the shortest distance took them through not great neighborhoods. There was really no And they had to cut down trees and shit that had been there forever. And take down light poles and signs and everything, yeah. Uh but so I and half the other city went down to to watch it go through the streets and it was like yeah, this is a not great neighborhood, but an amazing like fe- street festival feel <laughs> yeah. that Hey, why not? Uh, yeah, like it, I'm walking the streets of Compton at like 11 o'clock at night but you know half the city is also there so it's it's cool but here's a, certainly not feeling this is a moment where um this is another one okay this is this is the colleen dewhurst was the back of the buggy line this is the other fantastic uh um line that stuck with me forever is is uh his little his little uh soliloquy when they're gonna hang him and he has I, oh yeah I, forgive me for the men i have killed in anger and for uh, those well, i am about to, to. <laughs> just like that moment is like classic great movie moment of like wait what what's happening it's like again nice reversal like wait this can't be the plan to hang him it's like oh, it kind of is weirdly enough this is all about them getting in a uh... okay oh, there we go doc sub apparently this is a thing so yeah nice now see here's the here's the funny thing and again you know you kids today you got a whole different sensibility i he's not that far wrong i you know i that's that's that is not white supremacy. That's not Klansman. That's not what a Klansman says in the 70s. That's what a person says in the 70s. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean just because you said that doesn't make you like a, you know, a Klansman. It doesn't. Not in that era. Uh, well, uh, I wasn't there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so... Well, I'm wondering about, so, so the exact quote that we're looking at right now says, I believe in white supremacy until the blacks are educated to a point of responsibility. Okay. Uh, I don't feel guilty about the fact that five or ten generations ago these people were slaves. In a 1971 interview in, in Playboy. In a 1971 yeah. interview. So you guys are trained to not think that way. But uh, for me, it's like, yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's it, well, it's right. The, it's the fact that he doesn't feel that's about right Guilty. to what people said at the time, you mean. <laughs> well, I'm from that era, right. so I'm like, that's not very inflammatory. That's uh-huh. pretty middle of the road. That's a pretty middle of the road statement for my era. Yeah, in 71. Yeah. In 71, okay. And All right. I, don't, I still don't see it as inflammatory. I see that you're trained to see it as inflammatory because you're all working on your dissertation at, you know, as well as the undergrads. But for me, I'm like, those are just some words that a guy said that we don't agree with today. But we don't have to burn him at the stake either. That's, you know. Well, it just goes, it, yeah, it goes to show the, the effect of what's called the Overton window over time. It's that the, the window of, you know, what's acceptable, acceptable debate and acceptable views, you know, socially acceptable, shifts over time. And what, what was middle of the road at one point becomes an extreme, and what was an yeah. extreme becomes middle of the road. I think it's super important that it has shifted to make <laughs> that an extreme statement, yes. personally. Um, I, I just finished reading uh, the Better Angels, uh, Better Angels of Our Nature. Uh, why violence has declined over time, and it goes in. You know, it's but violence is so pretty. Look at this amazing know, action it's scene. It's that that swing around where it throws the gun and he spins and fires. That again, I thought, oh, that was so awesome. Uh, and it's it's a it's a great book, and I highly recommend it if you're interested in sort of socio historical stuff. 
Uh, and it's just this really comprehensive like, yeah, so we think that today is worse than yesterday because we're nostalgic and that's kind of how our brains work. But if you actually look at any aspect of humanity at all, everything is a lot better than it used yeah. to be. Everything is everything always, is almost always hugely, better on hugely every better. level. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, it just it goes into all various sorts of reasons. But I mean, obviously, it covers both the American West and racism and anti-Semitism. <laughs> there's there's where Bruce Dern shows. Okay, he really is a bad guy. Shot his own dude there. That's the that's the most unforgivable thing of all. Oh, that's, oh, that's, that's the yeah, that's, that's the, the kick. That's yeah. the kick. I was talking about that before. Like, there's that scene where that guy falls off his horse. That horse does that back kick that almost into the takes river. that guy's head right clean off. Yeah, the guy does the fall from the horse into the river. The horse also falls in the river, and the horse kicks and misses that guy by like that was two a inches foot. from that that guy getting the movie dedicated to him. Yeah, no, it was previously played by Eric Stoltz. <laughs> the horse was the horse was no the kid who died in the first time they shot this, so they had to replace him with that kid. And then they brought Eric Stoltz back to life. So, so I don't know. Is this a Vietnam allegory yeah. now or for that joke to work? This is this is the same moment from full <laughs> Just for timelines. Same moment from Full Metal Jacket. No. So, you know, uh, you know, what are you going to do now? It's like, all right, so you got what you wanted, but... But it's not clean. The person's not dead yet, so... Was he... Was, 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 uh, was, how are you going to handle this Was one? Asa shot, or just his leg is broken? I don't think he's been shot. I think, yeah, he's, I think he just has broken. a broken leg. Yeah. The horse yeah. fell on it The horse is it. just, yeah, he's just incapacitated, so, yeah. I'm just surprised they didn't, like, if, you know, go one further or something. I, not to make it a Saw movie, but I just figured they've been, like, killing the dudes who they were just around but they didn't do the thing well then the dude who did the thing they're like he's got a broken no leg. what they're doing is what they're doing is crueler he's going to die he's just going to die slowly they're not going to do him the favor of killing him now that horse is going exactly. to drag him until yeah, he's no, dead yeah, and this beyond is, this is a much worse way to to yeah. send him off is you know well, the horse is eventually going to stop running yeah no, but he'll be dead but he'll be still, dead or, yeah, or, or worse yet he won't be yeah. <laughs> so so the i think i i will say that in the construction of it, I think the scene is missing either a sound effect or one more shot because you see him, he goes across the river and then heads towards the rocks on the far side of the river. I think had we seen him like, and now he's up on the rocks up and yeah. that's not good at all. Oh. And maybe some more sounds of, oh, I thought, okay. wow, that sounds really god awful what's happening right now while they're doing this close ups of each kid. For some reason, I thought he was just, yeah, just getting dragged across like a grassy field. Yeah, no, he goes across then into the river. Yeah. And then from the river, you see him. He's heading for the rocks on the far side of the river here. But it, they could have, they could have one more shot of like onto the onto the bank of the river. You know, oh, every kid gets a close up. That's nuts. That's not good. Or a shot of the horse just like miles out, still going. Like, oh my god, that's really nasty. You know, it's that's a tough one. Like, that could be a pretty grisly scene. You know, just so how do you show that exactly? You know, you could just. If you put the horse way off in the distance, like more of a silhouette, like, wow, it's still happening. Mm -hmm. And as he's getting dragged off, he's coming to the realization, now I see why they had done this in a field of razors. How could I have not seen? (laughs) That's why they picked this terrain. Here again is another amazing scene of, how'd they shoot this, I wonder? Well, (laughs) they had this town, right? And then they got all the cows in the world, and they rode, they made them walk through the middle of town. Yeah, well, so this... I mean, this is probably a ranch, you know, in Calabasas or something, you know. There's, well, there so is that old, old West town that's just standing out there somewhere. The, well, there's Paramount. There's a yeah, few, but actually. There's, but there's not 50 miles of horizon past it. Yeah. Oh, this is not true. Not in California. Did you find out where the movie was shot? Yeah, well, it listed a bunch of them, but most of them are just Warner Brothers Burbank. So it's like, oh, damn it. 
I'm pretty sure they shot elsewhere too. Yeah, Montana or something. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe they didn't. Maybe they just had way good fucking map painters back then. <laughs> Who knows? And very large studios for lots of cows. You would have, you, know, you could have mad paintings and sometimes they were very good. I mean, Butch Cassidy is right around the same era too, but, but you wouldn't have mad paintings that had cows moving in front of it. Yeah. <laughs> that, would, that would not be a way to go. Not that easy to do. Just guys in cow suits. You would do it with guys <laughs> like, in cow suits. Like, you know, suits. two guys in a suit. So yeah, but cows on film don't look like cows, so you got to use zebras. Cows on film. <laughs> Plus they have that strong union. <laughs> And yeah, now it's now the the horse is is yeah that's, that's symbolic. Horse. That's yeah, Will's horse, yeah. The, the right of his horse. So, so yeah. So the other thing this is you know the movie had a lot of first act and has not a lot of third act because yeah. we're we're about all of four minutes away from rolling credits at this point. Um, once once the battle is on with the with the rustlers, there's like ten minutes left of yeah, the movie. Yeah, I was a bit shocked by that. I'm like, the movie's almost over. Like it's just just almost over now. Yeah. It's it's a it's sort of a instead of a one two three act build it's kind of a more of a slope it's more of an exponential kind of like it's gonna start slow and then it's gonna and then it's gonna be really really peppy at the end and then be done. This guy too was a go to as uh, Charles Tyner was in every western he's one of those guys of course we started with Slim Pickens you know this this guy just made a career of it being in every single one of these kind of movies, which I mean. You know, we look at it now, well, th- things, people try to vary it up. It's like, wouldn't you get bored of that? It's like, because like, I'm just working every week <laughs> yeah. and that's yeah. all that matters. I don't yeah. even change hotel rooms. Just yeah. another movie comes in. You mean the audience would get bored of that or the actor? The actor. Oh, yeah. Actor, yes. I thought you were making a point about like, the audience would get bored of it. I'm like, dude, people have been watching Two and a Half Men for, I think, 20 years now. Yeah. No, I'm saying, I'm saying the actor's. Yeah, don't get bored with it when they're you know it's it's the it's same a paycheck. as it's it's a paycheck and it's also the same the opposite side of that it's like having a, a TV show right <laughs> like you're playing the yeah. same character every week for ten years um, it just so happens the character has a different name you have to remember <laughs> <laughs> you're talking to a different cowboy every week yeah and sometimes not even sometimes it's the next John Wayne film so it is yeah. the same cowboy I want to like, wait what's your what's is your name Oh dang! Is, you, are you Bill this time? I'm I'm Bill. <laughs> I'm Bill. Call- sorry, <laughs> I, I keep calling you by last week's character. I'm yeah. so sorry. <laughs> I wonder if that ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> it probably did. After watching this now twice, I really want to watch Deadwood. I'm in a Deadwood mood now. It, yeah, I There's, try. I tried to get into Deadwood. I couldn't do it. Deadwood, Deadwood is definitely the, the modern version of that, where everything is just god-awful. Yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's no positive side. Plus Wormtongue playing the fucking scariest doctor ever. Yeah. But it, and, and he's by far the sort of the best character in the... In well, him and Al Swearingen. The most virtuous character is oh, the yeah, no, best. Doctor. Yeah, my best. Oh, yeah. yeah. I did, uh, he's, he's trying to do them a kindness. Yeah. I did, uh, I did start, and I didn't finish, but I want to. The um, uh, Alaska Gold Rush one with... Uh, uh, well, thank you, guest. Ca- New Mexico and Colorado, which makes sense because you know they still have large spaces in those uh, in those areas. Dude, th- those places are just large places. Yeah. They are. That's their claim to uh, fame. Yeah. The they are there. What's it? Klondike, I think the one with Rob from Game of Thrones. Uh, I think it was like a Discovery Channel miniseries. Uh, that was good. I, I watched about half of that. that. I'm seeing that. That was good. Anyway, Cowboys. I yeah, like this movie. There's remember Yakima Canut mentioned in uh, oh, yeah. commentary. There's the, the Canut family, and the Epper family is another stunt dynasty. Stunt Dynasty, yeah. and emperors, all those, and the Dur- and, and then the Dern Dynasty, the Dern, the, that Dern Dynasty from Dern Gully. Anyway, so I liked Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> Who doesn't? I'm a I'm a big fan. 
And I'm 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 glad you curated this one and have been for five years because <laughs> I'm just glad it's out of the way. It's weird how many old but like I think of myself as someone who doesn't as a rule like old movies and almost as a rule dislikes westerns and yet the old movies I've liked the most have all been westerns. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I just said Butch Cassidy, Unforgiven, and uh, Cowboys. I don't have a new theory. I've just thrown out my old one, <laughs> Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is good. This is fun. Uh, I yeah, I never gotten to John Wayne before and. I'm, I feel like this is, I'm working off of one piece of evidence, but I feel like this is probably the right one to, for me to, to start in on, because uh, this is just enough where it's like, okay, this is close enough to uh, modern sensibility in the ways we talked about in terms of uh, John Wayne kind of being forced to method act, and it's not a straight white hat, black hat kind of situation, that um, it's, it's accessible while still being really indicative of kind of this era and John Wayne's career as a whole. So, yes. Michael. Uh, the Cowboys, man. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm glad we did it. As as has often been the case with the curated movies, I come out of it. You know, it's like we should we should see this movie. We should talk about this movie. And I watch it and I go, okay, you know, <laughs> like that was that was good, but but why that one? Why are we going to talk about? You know, I'm interested in. Um, I I often I'm like I don't necessarily have an opinion on it, so I want to hear what the opinion is and why 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 this one in particular so um i've i've been enjoying doing the curated movies for that reason yeah. uh to to kind of learn like okay what are we talking about so why do you like this movie so <laughs> yeah much? um and uh yeah i i thought it was uh, a really good movie they you know they literally don't make them like this anymore yeah. uh in, in they didn't make them like this for very long yeah either. <laughs> this it, is from a very specific point in time yeah so uh i think it was great and i'm glad we uh we took a look and and finally made it happen. Cool, Trey. Well, it's the the idea. I would hope, and you know, anyone can have a different idea that of a curated movie is not like, oh my gosh, you have to see this movie. It's so great. I love it so hard. Um, you know, we I think we all, as in our curated picks, try and have like yes, not just that, but there's a broader reason yeah. to show it to somebody else as opposed to oh my gosh, it's so good. You guys, I love this movie so hard. I was three. Uh, yeah, that, that's like that's great, but you know why do we, the rest of us have to sit through? It? Cough, cough, blast from the past. Yeah. <laughs> well, You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, that turned out well, actually. Yeah, so, so that, no, there was a valid reason for that. There was a, there was an agenda behind that, and that was fine. But the so so same here. It's like it's a, yes, this is like I said at the start. This is my Goonies, and so I'm not, you know, if if. I'm not saying that, you know, I, I'm asking for the same pass that Goonies fans like, you know, but I, you know, I was eight. What do you want from me? I was twelve. It's like okay. I have an inordinate love for this movie just because of the way I'm going to curate Spaceballs just it, to piss you off. Exactly. <laughs> the way it came to my life at a certain, person time, a certain time and had, you know, had this content and had this. And again, it's like any movie that is a formative movie for me, Harold and Maude, I've certainly mentioned is another one. It's like any movie that I pick, if you, if you spot the thread that it's, wow, another moral ambiguity movie. Who knew? You know, that's like, these, <laughs> yeah, that these are, you know, that's what the movies that speak to me and or help make me the morally ambiguous douchebag <laughs> that I am. But, uh, you know, this, this movie, I think, been, but I also thought this movie is modern enough that you guys could, could find a way to enjoy it too. And oh, as, yeah, as, I, that worked. As a gateway toward, if you want to kind of get just like, Okay, you don't have to watch every Bruce Lee movie, but just watch End of the Dragon. You'll get it. You'll mm. you'll know what you'll know what Bruce Lee was about. Just yeah. watch that one. Um, this one, I think, is like not only are you getting sort of a big old handful of John Wayne, but you're getting about I think the the best of John Wayne. You're getting the John Wayne, the post caricature version, 
and and the mature version and and uh, you know you're getting a really good this is this is the essence of of what it made him such an indelible actor so. The Chad Jeremy Whitman's like, wait, is Goonies broken in some significant way? <laughs> aside, aside from being an organ? And now we know exactly how old Jeremy Whitman is. <laughs> Which, by the way, I didn't see Goonies until like six months ago. Yeah, and it's, I yeah. still haven't seen it. We've had a number of people I just liked his punchline, aside to, from being an organ. Coming to Goonies as an adult, you go, really? Uh, but uh, you love this movie, eh? Which is why, and again, cautionary note, Michael... If you're going to come here and make me watch Super Mario Brothers, <laughs> you better justify that shit because I have... I Why have, do you think I haven't yet? It's been, a, it's been a long time since Trey's been drunk on the show. I have had, successfully... Had a drink on the show. I have successfully avoided that movie, and I intend to go to my grave having successfully avoided that movie. I'll watch it if you... <laughs> and not by missing it, by yeah, evading it. Exactly. By literally... <laughs> the movie is coming for him. in the other direction. So I, I have left parties. That I, doesn't have to be the curated pick. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna do it. I will, whether or not anybody else joins. I me. will watch it if you tell me to. But I, you better bring it. <laughs> you better bring a reason. We're gonna, so. we're gonna duct tape <clears throat> Mike's hands to bottles of champagne. <laughs> duct tape Mike to a couch and just make him watch yeah. Super Mario Brothers over and over again until he's done with the champagne. Anyway, my point is, I hope you know. And if you're, if that's the way it was watching the Cowboys for you, then I'm sorry, and you don't have to watch any westerns ever again. It's just not your thing, and you can, you can, you know, not think that John Wayne was was a, a an interesting actor to watch, and that's perfectly fair. But thanks for giving it a shot. Uh, oh no, I like. I mean, a I like the movie. B I like to, you know whoever might be listening to this because oh, yeah. you know we I scored pretty well, but you know I know you guys pretty yeah. well. I figured you would you know find something to like about the Cowboys but uh, plus I, I like having a touchstone for John Wayne I think it's yeah I think it's yeah now now when people talk about John Wayne you you get what John Wayne is on screen so mm-hmm. so you have that going for and Bruce Dern for that matter you're welcome to your crash course in Bruce Derning so so anyway I think uh it's it's one of those things that if, if you have a you have that person who like I uh western blah, 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 you know well, have you seen Unforgiven? Yeah, I'd throw an Unforgiven. Have you seen The Cowboys? Have you seen Bruce Ca- Butch Cassidy? That's kind of a spectrum that's yeah. kind of a safe space for, for people who, <laughs> yeah, safe, who don't want Westerns in their It's the lives. safe bet triangle. Yeah. Cool. This has been What Are You Doing Movie. You can always find more episodes at friendsinyourhead.com. Go to the forum, involve yourself in the conversation. It's a great big group of people. It's growing every single week, and they're all awesome. Mostly. Some of them are. Anyway. Twitter.com slash friends in your head. Facebook friends in your Whoa. head. You just gave half of them a complex. Yeah. No, when we turn off the stream, we talk they about know who. you. We talk about it you. It helps keeps them in line trying to figure out who we're talking about. Oh, God. <laughs> if you want to get in our good graces, you can always like buy cows. one of our shirts or give us money with a PayPal button. We're not asking. We're just saying. Uh, we're not above bribery. Friends in your head at gmail.com. Anyway. Uh, and Holton Hill designing maintain the website. Until next time, my name is T. Christie. Brian Pinnifter. Mike Scott. Chris Oak. And this has been, thank you, uh, thank you, this has been What Are You Doing Movie. Thank you very much for listening. Good night, good night. It's the Cowboys. Yeehaw. A, a bunch of people with other podcasts in the in the chat are now like, we'll do the commentary. Come, th- come on our show and we'll yeah, do the see, there commentary. Yeah, but will your commentary have a joke called Dern Gully? Because that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Dern Gully, yeah. That's a, that, we peaked at that one. <laughs>